Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Action Radio. This is Greg Penglis coming to you from the historic district of downtown Milton on the banks of the beautiful Blackwater River. And now let's get into Action Radio. So we're just waiting for Ann Vandersteel to reconnect. Um, I had uh, a little issue. The, the way it works for a lot of folks when they have their own microphone and headset is we have what's called a direct connect. And so I can send that out. But I think I sent it to the wrong email. <laughs> so she's now setting up microphone and, and headset so she'll sound a whole lot better like her normal professional self, you know, and being a star, which is kind of cool. So I want to find out everything she's been doing, everything that's going on. There's a, there's a lot happening. Uh, there's a lot happening at radio, too. Um, we did our first remote show, and we had a little trouble with the sound. If, if anybody listened to our, our show that was live from the, uh, the Creek uh, Band, we had the Santa Rosa Creek Fest, uh, Creek Festival that was on this weekend. And so I was there Saturday morning really early, and so it was, it was pretty crazy. Uh, I think that's, this might be a different number. We'll find out in just a second here. Uh, yeah, let's see here. Let's do a quick check. Um, but oh, I'm going to guess it's going to be Ann simply because who else will be calling me this early in the morning? So let's find out. Hey, Ann, is that you? This is Kevin Jenkins. Here? Kevin Pardon? Jenkins. Oh, it's Brian. Okay. Well, welcome Kevin, to the show, Brian. Kevin Jenkins. Kevin oh, Jenkins. Kevin I'm Jenkins. sorry. Yeah, okay. No, we got you there. <laughs> because I, I didn't know okay, if you were going to be able to make it this morning, so it's nice to have you here. Yeah, so yeah I made it because I, re- I, I was going to do my walk, but I'm walking back into the house, and this is great. I'll just call. Well, good timing. Well, you can, you can talk and walk. I don't mind. We, we can multitask here. I got a little bit of a background uh, on your line, and so it's just... Oh, no, buddy. Let me... I'm going to go inside okay. and do it and do my walk. Yeah, take your on. time. Mute yourself for a minute. I'm doing fine. Okay. Mute yourself for a minute. Take it easy, okay. and uh, we'll get no you going here. All We've right. got to actually Ann's on the line now, too, so let's give you both a round of applause. <laughs> and welcome Ann back. Ann, it's been too long. Where have you been? What have you been doing? I hear you're a star now. Oh, uh, I don't know about that, Greg. I, uh, I'm not a star. I don't think so. I think I'm just uh, out here doing what everybody else is trying to do, get to the truth and uh, restore this great nation that um, is waning in its existence at the moment, thanks yep. to the regime in power. But I'm so glad to be doing it with my great partner in, in, uh, in justice here, the, the most amazing man uh, in, when it comes to medical freedom and body sovereignty and, frankly, a fresh look at politics. Kevin Jenkins, and we've been just blessed to work together, thanks to Dr. Zelenko, when he asked us to pick up the mantle and carry forward his legacy at the Zelenko Freedom Foundation. So, you know, it's the, the, the journey continues, right? <laughs> the quest for freedom. Absolutely. I'm just taking yeah. notes away here because body freedom uh, autonomy, that sounds interesting because I've been with this for a long time. Ann knows that uh, I got way back in March of, of 2020, you know, March 2nd, declaring that uh, the, whole go, the whole COVID government response was a total fraud, that Dr. Fauci was an evil man. So I started calling him Dr. Fascist. And uh, I got the, the Dr. Zelenko study and the DDR road, thank you, DDR road study um, that, uh, that, you know, chloroquine and then hydroxychloroquine, you know, kills COVID. And, and so we already had a treatment and a cure. Doctors don't take cure. I do. I don't care. This is the ultimate free speech zone. So feel free. Be blunt. Be bold. You're among friends. I'm still, I'm still getting a little background noise from your line. But Hold on. Once you get Hold that, on. Yeah, that's okay, because then I want to hear your whole story. But, uh, and this is great. So, Ann, thanks for bringing Kevin on. This is going to be fun. Absolutely. Uh, can't, do this, can't do it without him. Okay. Well, while he's actually he's fixed it or he's muted himself. I hadn't, I'm not sure which. <laughs> One of the other. No, I muted myself. So tell me. But, uh, no, I muted myself because okay. I did hear some background noise. 
Okay. I was on. But the, like Ann like said, but there's a bigger fight, if you don't mind me saying. The fight for you the can say whatever currency. you want. The social, the Tell me what's going on. The social credit score is a big fight. The social credit okay. score, the, you know, the digital currency that they're moving to put us on is the biggest fight of all time. Because once that's locked in, we're perpetual slaves. Slavism actually becomes a reality. You know, when mm-hmm. people think about slave, slavism or think about slavery, they always think about it from a black perspective. But mm-hmm. what you're finding out now, human slavery, human bondage has been going on for decades. We just didn't realize it, that we have trapped ourselves into these systems that have been captured by these agencies or captured by these global, globalists. Now they control everything. Now they want to do is control how we spend our money, how we connect with each other. That's why they were testing us like lab rats <laughs> during, you know, the COVID episode, the COVID pandemic. So now they're pushing it even harder because they know we're catching up to them. So everybody at home needs to understand this fight is far from over, and it's mm-hmm. just not about a virus <laughs> that um, trans- you couldn't, you couldn't, they couldn't transmit it. Check this out. You couldn't transmit it, and you couldn't uh, get the it – it's not infectious. So now, guess what? Now they're coming after our money. Now they're coming after our complete control of our bodies and what we do in our voices and our thoughts. So people need to understand this is the big fight. COVID is just the beginning. So everybody that's home watching their TV, everybody that's going into churches, everybody that's going to fight for the school board, better get prepared for the real war. And they're pushing at the World Economic Forum. They're pushing at the World Health Organization. Now, none of these agencies have any sovereignty over us. But mm-hmm. we listen to them and we follow them. Now they're saying to go to Europe, you have to have a slave <laughs> passport. But now, yeah. the majority of the world doesn't understand that this is about total, total annihilation of the human race, total annihilation of our children. Total annihilation of our families, total annihilation of what God created. And we're now still sitting back trying to figure out what elected official is going to save us. No elected official in this country is going to save you from what they're doing. Because if that was the case, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Our Congress and our Senate and our local elected officials mm-hmm. would have put a stop to this just like DeSantis did and other great governors in the country. They're putting a stop to it. Censoring America is anti-American. Censoring us based on our voices and our thoughts and our color, that's anti-humanism. These slavists, like the World Economic Forum, we need to stop them. People need to understand, it is war. This is not about, that. This is not about how I feel about you or how you feel about me. That what we know is these globalists feel one thing about us, that they want to rewrite the DNA of our faith. And that is critical. We need to understand that. Mm, I see why you like this Kevin. guy, Ann. He's pretty cool. Well, <laughs> you know, he's, he, he, keeps yeah. it, he keeps it 100% factual and real. And, you know, and, and this is obviously being spawned on the fact that we're at the end of a debt-based monetary system as we know it. And in the next couple of years, we're going to see the total collapse, followed by what they want to be a new monetary system based upon the central bank digital currency, which is, of course, a new system based on total control. And they've, they've used COVID as the cover for this coming financial collapse. They needed a system to control, uh, of control in place before this financial system collapses, the one that they created, that they've abused, and they've you know, had us finance for them over the last you know, 150 years or so. And they needed to divert people's attention from the real cause of what's going on, which is the fact that the central bankers and these corrupt globalist politicians have bankrupted the world, and the pensions are broke. Hello, people that work for government, state governments, federal governments, your pensions are broke. The Western governments are broke. The debt can't be repaid. The global pandemic fear, Ooh, and they can just dial it up anytime they want, right? They've now got Ebola on deck. They're going to try and fear porn us to that. But you know what? I, I'm going to stand and say right now that I think uh-huh. we're a lot wiser after two years of COVID and this plan 
it's, you know, this, this whole planned pandemic as a system of control to manage this incoming financial reset. I think people are getting wise to this now. Mm-hmm. You're starting to see gold and silver sales per, you know, tick up. You're starting to see people batten down the hatches. And people aren't going to start to fall for this Ebola pandemic anymore because this fraud has completely overwhelmed the system. The dot-com fraud of the late 90s, it was total corporate fraud. We live in a corporatocracy-controlled world with investment banks selling worthless securities. And, of course, they did it all over again with the housing bubble in the mid-2000s. 2008, we can't forget that, where rating agencies were complicit, totally complicit, as that same fraud found its way into the housing market, which we all know what happened there. And in the last two years, the fraud has been completely institutionalized in the everything bubble. Like we're looking at a total bubble of everything, right? The Fred had to buy the fraud, which is why we mm-hmm. kept seeing yep. the stock market prop up. So the central banks of the world created this complete, what I call everything bubble. It's a meta fraud uh, basically created within a system which itself is prone to fraud. So this is fraud upon fraud upon fraud. And if you know anything about history in USA versus Throckmorton, you know that fraud vitiates everything. That was back 1878. So this is this is we are living in a complete world of fraud right now, built on a corrupt corporate construct that has, should, has nothing to do with actually exchanging. It has everything to do with exchanging your God-given rights for government privileges. And there's there, these are public-private partnership privileges that have taken advantage of of the free men and women around the world and enslaved us into this debt slavery. And you know we're just not going to have it anymore. And they violated our body sovereignty. Kevin has done an unbelievable job traveling around the country over. 400,000 miles, sacrificing his own family time and, and personal health just to get the word out of what's going on. But it's working. It's just, you know, like everything, it's the wheels of justice turn slowly. So people are slowly waking up from the slumber of fraud because they thought they had it so great. Now we're waking up to the fact it's not so great. It's not so great. Yeah. Let me stop here for a second because this is Action Radio. And so our whole purpose here is to, is to focus on what action we're going to take. So I'm looking for solutions. In fact, I want to talk to you about something in a minute. I want to get Kevin's response, though. But where, where do we go? What do we do? What actions have you got planned? What um, strategies? Because I've got a few ideas for you guys um, that I want to share, but I want to hear you first. So uh, where do we go? How do we, how do we fix this? Well, well, at the foundation, we're singular-focused on developing new leaders. That's why we have our new fellowship, um, Zelenko Fellows, coming out in the next couple of weeks. So we knew automatically when we first started, we needed to start developing new leaders that can critically think, new leaders that understand real geopolitics, real leaders that understand the importance of family, real leaders that understand the importance of not only critically thinking, but how do we revamp the education system where we can start giving power back to our children to do the basic things that are good for education, critically thinking, math, science, you know, all of the things that are critically important to move the world forward. You now know we don't have anybody in those spaces anymore. You know, mm-hmm. that's why I thought um, Charles Schwab and all of those guys were able to do what they did because they started planting their seeds a long time ago. So now it's for us to plant our seeds. That's critically important. We need to plant Funny the seeds say for that. the future. Funny you should say that, Kevin, <laughs> because this, we are, and I don't know how much uh, you, um, Ann told you about what we do here, but this, uh, I started Action Radio, which is the first citizen legislature, uh, apparently still the only one. Oh, wow. What we do is we actually write legislation. In fact, uh, Ann was nice enough to have me on her show where we went over uh, my bill to have a 30-day comment period for all bills over $100 million that go to Congress before they're passed. They have to have a 30-day comment, Incredible. and that would uh, and they're not uh, they're not subject to uh, you know national debt closures, government closures, you know, end of the fiscal year. None of that stuff matters. And so that bill's still out there. 
um, another bill we talked about having a civil service reform, and if we have a chance to get to it, Schedule F that uh, Donald Trump proposed would actually handle that for us. So that bill's already done. But the one I want to tell you about now that I didn't think to bring up because I didn't know where we are going to go this morning, I love the fact that uh, we can talk anywhere and wherever the conversation goes, it goes. But uh, I met a woman online named uh, Jen Clark. Jen Clark's in Australia. She's one of the founders of their freedom trucker movement. She went from Melbourne to Canberra, and we got to working on an Australian Bill of Individual Rights. So a lot of things you're talking about, body autonomy, you know, free from 5G, uh, all kinds of things, full um, consent, full informed consent for everything. We have that in this Australian Bill of Individual Rights, which I'll send to Anne you know, after the show here. Uh, otherwise, I'll probably push the wrong button and cut you guys off. But a lot of the things you're talking about, <clears throat> we've already documented, we've already written down. You know, we have bills on vaccine product liability, a bill to end big tech censorship. Uh, and, and the big one, which I want to get to in a little bit, is a bill that takes away the power of Congress to borrow money. And so these kinds of things, these kinds of ideas, if, if I can get you guys on board with this and start saying, because we know what the problems are, but here are the solutions. And so I know you haven't had a chance to review it. I know this is all new to you, um, but I'd be curious what you think. And then, and then we can kind of sort of mix this into where you guys are. But uh, Kevin, what would you, if you actually had a bill in front of you that did what you wanted to do, could you include that in your talks around the country, media presentations, yeah, well, things that's, like that's that? that's important because you, you okay. know, what, you're, what you're saying to me is very, very important. Like, make sure you send it to us. But let me tell you why. We should be doing that every day, and that's one of the things that we're doing at the Zelenko um, Freedom Foundation. We're working on public policy. We're working on where new com- how new communities can be developed around education and creating an ecosystem around agriculture and how we purchase from each other, how we communicate with each other. So building those new communities, dealing with public policy, not from a defensive perspective, but mm-hmm. from an offensive perspective. You know, looking at all of these agencies, I said Charles Schwab, it's Klaus Schwab, but looking at all of these agencies, and they don't get those too confused. Using <laughs> yeah, I know, yeah, I know, right? Using, I, saying, Jack, I bet it happens using, all the time. Using, using our deeper understanding of how the government operationalizes itself against us, making mm-hmm. sure that we're now engaging our government differently. Government does not own us. We own the government. We mm-hmm. form the government. We finance the government. So when elected officials are putting these edicts down there without talking to us and without having a debate with us and not opening up debate to the world, that says they're, ter- they're now engaging in what? Globalist, uh, I call it the globalist, globalist trajectory to slavery, and they're moving fast. And that's what I'm going to get back here. The only solution right now, even though we're talking about public policy and community development and how we protect our body sovereignty, the only solution now for me is to get past our deniers, go back into the streets, go back at our local government, go back after our school boards, our state leaders, and go after our national leaders and say, if you can't clean this deck, if you cannot fix this problem, we don't need you. We need to go back to what the Founding Fathers was talking about, keeping our voice, keeping our sovereignty. No government should be able to censor us. No local elected officials should be able to act like a dictator. We are not a democracy. We, again, we are de- a democracy is not at stake. Our, our, our republic is at stake. That's what's at stake. And every time they chip away, we lose something. Every time they shut down something, we lose something. Every time they close a church, we understand we have to find church in each other. And that's the real message. You've got to go look yourself in the mirror. You just can't say, oh, what's the solution without taking the appropriate action to get past your own denial. Black Americans, Latino Americans, we're all one people. This slave system, these slavers, I'm going to say it again, they don't care about your color. They will sacrifice all of us for complete control, and that's why they're coming after your children. That's why they're using Pfizer, Johnson & Johnson. Astrid. Those are only marketing companies for their shots of death. Those are only marketing companies 
for what they're trying to do at the World Economic Forum with what Bill Gates is doing and well, what their soldier me... and their general Fauci was doing. You got to understand, you cannot go, you got to chip away at the denial that Americans have been living in that they're in this, they're a true democracy. Yeah. That, Kevin, let me just jump in here for a second. Um, yeah, because the, the folks that listen to this show, they're already past that. You know, we have people, we have audience <laughs> right. members writing yeah. bills for us. I, have, I had an 18-year-old who was 17 at the time send me a bill that anybody running for Congress and the people, you know, running again have to take the immigration citizenship test so they prove they know something about government. She's now our constitutional yeah. reporter. Um, so, so what you're talking about to so this audience, and we are growing um, fabulously well in, in throughout the English-speaking world, the British Commonwealth. So, so England, Canada, Australia, and New Zealand are picking up really fast because those countries are, you know, coming under the, the fascist powers. So we know the problems. I really want to sort of like, like get to solutions. And, and one of the things that was, um, have you looked at Klaus Schwab, something I haven't looked into yet, but maybe you can help me out, the funding. Where does this guy get his power from? Where do these people? Is it all billionaire funded? Is it all private funding? You know, and is there a way that we can cut off their money? I mean, how did this guy, how did Klaus Schwab, you know, end up at, uh, at, the, at the G20 summit? He's not a leader. He has no government position. He has no authority whatsoever. He's just loud. And he's very attractive to people that want a dictatorship. So who, who backs him? Who's his boss? Who funds these guys? Where, where do they come from? Can you help me out on that one? Well, I mean, if, I, if I'm going to take a stab at this because I haven't looked into Klaus yeah, Schwab's funds, but you start to look at all the funding mechanisms that they're using, the most recent revelation, which didn't be too much a revelation because we've known Ukraine is a money laundromat for everybody that's on the oh, yeah. other side of everything we for a long show on that. time. But just, yeah. but just, I mean, well, then you, then you know. The, the recent mm-hmm. revelation of FTX, the recent revelation of the fact that they're moving money uh, from FTX into the DNC, the DNC puppets like the Biden regime, uh, allocate right. money to Ukraine. I mean, look, let's let's just let's just be pragmatic here. How many okay. hundreds of billions? How many billions of dollars have we sent to Ukraine in the last year and a half? I think it's 110 billion, but I'm not sure. I mean, that's just a figure that popped into my head. It's a ridiculous amount, and you're absolutely right. It, it is the the money laundering it, 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 piggy it, bank it, it, of it, it, uh, Democrats and Republicans. It's way north of too. that. It's way well, north how much, of that. It's way how much north, are we talking? It's, we're, we're pushing over 700 billion right now. We oh, really close. Yeah, we've sent enough weaponry, if, if, if you're going to just use that in the loose terms, because who's really physically seen these weapons move? But let's just assume we've moved all <laughs> these weapons that we say we have, okay? We can right. finance wars on three planets out, outside of the Earth, okay? This is uh-huh. how much stuff we supposedly sent to Ukraine. What in the actual heck is going on over there? We're not sending weapons like that over there. We left $85 billion of the weapons well, in that Afghanistan. Was that was that, what so happened to We all have those. done this. So, yeah. well, we know we're, they're, not, they're not in the hands of the good guys. The Chinese have had their stab at going through all of our IP and learning how we, and learning how we build things. But this is Do you the think whole that was idea, intentional? Right? Let, me, oh, let me ask you about that because geez. I've always thought that let was an see, intentional Obama operation. In yeah. Oh, no, 100% intentional. The sun rises okay. in the east is an intentional uh, leave behind of our technology. So we're, mm-hmm. fight, we're, quote, sending all this money to Ukraine. That money mm-hmm. we now know is being sent right back into the DNC and the establishment, the RNC. There's people on both sides of the aisle picking up mm-hmm. money from FTX. So including Kevin McCarthy, by the way, including Kevin McCarthy, and he's not a friend to MAGA, so, or a friend to anybody that wants to friend to anybody on this show. So, <laughs> we, he's not we, a friend to anybody I've, on this I've show, done, I'm sure. Uh, yeah. Well, let me ask you a question. Here's something I've been thinking of. Um, the Democrats are only one seat away from stealing the majority in the House. We're 218 right now. They stole the House in 2018 with about six to eight overturns of, of 
elections that were declared for the Republican, which they showed up with votes over the next couple of weeks. Oh, look, we found more votes. And they, they found enough votes. In other words, they printed enough votes um, to overturn, and the Republicans let them. So I call the Republicans the surrender party. Democrats are the Marxist party. Or I even call the GOP the gelding old party. And I'll let you figure out the rest of that. But the point is that they surrender. And I would not be surprised if that House majority is overturned in the next couple of weeks with, oh, we found some votes. Of Every vote counts. What are the chances well, right now of you've McCarthy got 219 Republicans and 219 Democrats, right? 219 okay, so for the Republicans, good. 211 for the Democrats right now. I and the Senate right now is 50. It's, yeah. No, we've got, we picked up a seat. It's uh, 50 okay, Democrats, 49 Republicans, with, of course, still the Herschel Walker uh, mm-hmm. election still out, right? So this is, and you know, they're going to try and push that from becoming a runoff. Obviously, they're working their little tails off to do that. But this yeah. Warnock doesn't see Herschel Walker as a serious person, are you? I mean, he's beloved not only in Georgia, but he's beloved around the world. Everybody loves Herschel Walker. Oh, this is great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. I, well, here's, you know, there's something else I've been wondering, too, that, and maybe you can help me out with as well. The last term, the Republicans had 50 senators. The Democrats had 48. And they have two independents, which, you know, caucus with Democrats, which to me is meaningless. They're still independents. You can't have your cake and eat it, too. You're either an independent or you're a Democrat. So they should not have counted the Republicans. I know, it's a, I know it's in the rules, but the Republican geldings never stood up and said, we're not going to have this anymore. If you're independent, you're independent. If you're a Democrat, you're a Democrat. You can't be counted. And the second thing, so they should have at least have had equal co-chairs you know, in all the committees, 50 Democrats, 50 Republicans. Kamala Harris, the vice president, is not a member of the Senate. They don't take part in the committees. They don't take part in the bills. The only time the vice president shows up is when they need to break a tie, but they are not part of the Senate. So why was she counted? So I think Mitch McConnell surrendered. Uh, the power of the, the GOP majority in the Senate in the last couple of years. And it, 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 no one's talking about this. No one, it doesn't make sense to me. So Kevin. McConnell has always been anti. McConnell has always been anti Make America Great Again. But I got to tell you, the RNC, mm-hmm. listen, they worked against all of their candidates this year. They worked against what we were attempting to do. They were mm-hmm. actually working against what Americans wanted in this country. That's why McConnell needs to go. That's why McCarthy needs to be put in the box. So at the end of the but where's day, the rest of the GOP? Uh, didn't they stand well, up and the, say here's, something? Here's the, here's the problem. The old GOP, as Ann uh, mentioned, is dead. Mm-hmm. We should move okay. them off. We should put them on a ship to nowhere. The new, the new GOP needs to be put on notice. We want them more active and more active in our communities and more actively listening to what we want as Americans. Mm-hmm. We don't want high inflation. We don't want high gas prices. We don't want high food prices. We don't want trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars to be transferred to the wealthiest people on a quarterly basis. We mm-hmm. want Americans to be able to find their way back to ownership, find their way back to family, and find their way back to faith. That's the only way you're going to save this country. So at the end of the day, so, you know, McConnell and the GOP is anti what mm-hmm. millions and millions of Americans want. They are co-partners with the establishment, as Ann mentioned. They are co-partners. So a trillion dollars here, a trillion dollars here, a trillion dollars here. Oh, and by the way, we're going to take your ability to be able to extract your money out of the banks because we want to control you. And if you say anything, if you think of anything, we're going to take everything away from you. Oh, and by the way, if we don't like you, we'll call you a racist or we'll call you a white supremacist. I've been called or we'll a racist. Say, I don't you know, care. We, we, you, you see what I'm saying? So, Some Black Lives know, Matter it's, call, it's called in and called me a racist. Right. It's hysterical. My colleagues were black right. and Hispanic at the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was the only white guy on the show, right? So it was funny. Well, don't so worry about it. They call like me that. a white supremacist, so don't worry about it. <laughs> you're, you're okay. <laughs> exactly. So, so that's, yeah. Now, so, so what do we do, though? Uh, inflation, you know, uh, things like this, economic policy. How do you compel a new Republican Party? How do you influence a new Republican 
Republican Party? Because I, I have very little faith in candidates themselves, and I'll tell you why in a minute. Yeah. But, but um, what have you got for proposals? How do, you, how do you make that new Republican Party? How do you structure it? How do you get those people in office? And then you feel well, free to hop on this, too. First of all, you know, Go ahead, Kevin. <laughs> Go ahead. Oh, oh no, we're going to go back and when you say yeah, when you we already have a new political party in this country. They just haven't realized it yet, and they have more power than they think they do. Between the patriots and the medical freedom movement, that is the mm-hmm. way forward. Okay, that's the way forward. So the whole thing is to continue to bridge those relationships. And I think over the last two and a half years, we've gotten it. I've seen it. I was a part of it. Anne was a part of it. Where the patriots mm-hmm. and the medical freedom movement became one. That is your political party, right there. Right, right there. We just sit right there and start building consensus around that. Those politicians that were elected won't be elected again. Our politicians mm-hmm. and our new leaders from the Zelenko Freedom Foundation, they'll be in place to understand how to operationalize these agencies to work for us as opposed to destroying us. So okay. right then and there, we have to identify ourselves at that level. I think there's, a, there's something creative there that we can build on, and I think every elected official in this country is starting to feel that pain for mama bears and fathers that have lost their jobs because of these forced mandates, and now they're seeing that the courts really don't actively work for them. They work for the government. Now they're seeing that they're capable of using all of these agencies, the CIA and the FBI, as they've always done, to activate themselves against American citizens that don't agree with this narrative, narrative of slavism. So it, 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 I think that's the place where we can start. Okay, sounds good. And how do we get these, these things implemented and get this new well, party? Well, here's the thing. I mean, and Kevin knows this, and there was an article in the Epic Times that came out this weekend on, mm-hmm. um, on the United States Incorporation, uh, and this is, in fact, the problem. We, we've got to look further back into our history. Everybody's talking about we've got to fix 2020, and I agree. We have to fix 2020. They stole it. They did a lot of criminal activities, but at the end of the day, we aren't the same country that we were constituted to be 250 years ago. Essentially, we've returned back to feudalism or voluntary servitude, um, even if you were entered into it unknowingly. So, I mean, I, there's a whole subject matter that we should probably do a separate show about, Greg, but mm-hmm. I'm a state national because I understand mm-hmm. our history has been a narrative. They've taught us what they want us to believe, not in fact what actually happened. And we're actually... Actually, we haven't engaged in voluntary servitude with your social security number and your birth certificate. We're enrolled as corporate entities in birth, and unknowingly we continue to contract into their commercial law system by legalese, you know, admiralty law, which is commercial law. And as, as God's children, uh, Genesis uh, 126, we, he gave us dominion over the land, air, and the earth, and the water, L-A-W, Land, air, water, that's the law. That's what the Bible um, is the foundation of all law right here. We're supposed to stand on the law of the land. Instead, they drag us into the admiralty court, which you can't stand on water, you think, and you're never going to beat them in admiralty court. So we become subject to the ever-growing mountain of rights and privileges instead of laws. And, in fact, God gives us our rights, not the government. We constitute government. Man makes government. And this is why nobody over in the uh, Capitol Hill area, which is full of nothing but lawyers running around, is paying attention (laughs) to our constitutional rights because we don't have any rights as citizens. We only have civil rights. So if you want to really get to the root of the problem, Greg, Kevin Mm -hmm. knows how I feel about this, uh, you got to get to the root of the problem. And the root of the problem is our country was hijacked a long time ago. The 14th Amendment made us United States citizens when before then we were electing public servants as state nationals living in our states, our respective states, and we became U.S. citizens and we started voting in our slave masters. And since then, it's been a a slippery slope downhill, Federal Reserve, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. 
So here no, we I agree with a lot of that, of but I'm also skeptical of some things. And I want to talk to you about that in a separate show, but let me just ask one question on the 14th Amendment. makes us uh, citizens of the United States and citizens of the state in which we reside. So we're actually, in a sense, dual citizens. And the states, we've been talking about the states as actually being nations. And so we call them nation states. Correct. So I'm in the nation Correct. state of Florida. Okay. And so, right. so given that, given that sovereignty, the states have given up their power. Uh, Congress has given up their power to the executive. Executives give it up to the judiciary. Judiciary is way overpowered right now. And the Republicans gave their power to the Democrats. The biggest problem is giving power away. And so I want to talk to you on a separate show. But just on the 14th Amendment, don't you see that that actually protects us as opposed to oppresses us? Because I use the 14th Amendment all the time on this show. Especially no, equal protection. I do not. I, okay. I do not. So I that's do what not talking see it that about. way at all. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I do not see it that way at all, in hmm. fact. So, and, you know, three right. years later, they incorporated uh, the United States. So as a 14th Amendment citizen, you became a municipal servant, a.k.a. a taxpayer. And, again, we fought the Revolutionary War over paying taxes and having British soldiers forced into our homes. Now, uh-huh. as corporate citizens, we are subject to mandates, codes, and statutes and ordinances. I mean, that's not, that's not law. That's not constitutional law of the land. That's commercial maritime law. And, you know, hence the flags you see with the gold fringe. So this, there's so much to unpack there, but at the end of the day, I do not see us as free people. We are corporate citizens, a.k.a. voluntary debt slaves. Every time you contract with them, uh, you are agreeing to abide by their rules, statutes, code, ordinances, and mandates. It's not, uh, it's not the common law of the land. And, uh, yeah. you know, besides the Supreme Court, how many Article Three courts are you aware of where you get a real jury of your peers? Or are you in Article One maritime courts when you step into the court of law? Hence, meaning an attorney, a paid actor to represent you because you're a corporate fiction. You are a EIN number, a social security number, ostensibly when you walk into a courtroom. You're not a living man or a free woman. Yeah, I'm, so, send me stuff on this because I need to study up before we talk because I want to be informed. And it is at this point, I'm skeptical. I've, a lot of it's because I just don't know a lot about it. I, it seems to me a little strange. And I'm not quite trusting of it. Um, I got Pianchi in the line. He's going to join us. I want to play something I made before the election. So we we do a lot of predictions around here, and I have uh, one. This is only about 40 seconds, 43 seconds long. And I'll get Pianchi. He wants to uh, talk to you guys as well. He's he's like almost my my regular daily uh, caller here. So listen to this. Let me just play this right here. Here, Joe Biden's. Dark winter. No freedom, no liberty, no guns, no representation, no oil, no coal, no nuclear power, no space force, no constitution, no family gatherings, no vacations, just taxes, work, misery, masks, lockdowns, and ever more government. This is what will happen if you let Marxists steal the election. This has been a public service announcement of Action Radio, reminding you it's time to get off your butt and save your country. <laughs> I made that before the 2020 election. Yeah. Fun we have. Wow. So, yeah, well, it, it's kind of, well, I'll send that to you guys too. It's actually on our, our YouTube channel. Pianchi, welcome to the show. We've got uh, Kevin Jenkins and Ann Vandersteel and um, meet Pianchi. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Kelsey. Well, you know, I hear you references to admirability law, land, and maritime law, sea, and Roman holy sea. Sound like some uh, Bishop Larry stuff I heard. Well, here's the thing. The states control the federal government. That's the way it was meant to be. The people control their state legislatures. Until that comes back into effect, you're going to be like a dog chasing its tail. You only let states, countries, 
allow the federal government to run haps, laps up the way it's doing. And until you reel them back in, they're going to continue. The states have the ability to call that congressperson back to the carpet. And the states have the ability to call that U.S. senator back to the carpet. The legislature, acting through the people, can read them the riot act. But it never happens. It's this same old dog chasing his tail scenario that I hear all the time. Well, you too. What do you think? Oh, Kevin, yeah. Ann? I thought he was, was. I think he's correct. I mean, we got to go back to understanding how our government operates. I think what Ann is talking about. I think what he's talking about. That's mm-hmm. there, That's a part of the problem. We don't know what our position is in this country and what the power we have because we allow them to dilute it for decades. We, I mean, people don't even know we're a constitutional republic. You know, you're turning your TV, they keep talking about democracy. You're doing this democracy, show. Democracy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. They know. Yeah. Yeah. I'm almost certain. But it's, it's like, you know, we have to get back to basics. You know, we have to get back to understanding what the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, you know, what, what did it really mean? What, they, what were they really saying? You know, it's like what's happening at the Supreme Court. I'm pretty pleased, not all the time, but at least they're getting back to what they're supposed to be doing, interpreting the Constitution. And not getting well, involved let me ask you in on activism. That. The, uh, yeah. You just said a huge buzzword for me, interpreting the Constitution. There is no interpretations clause in the Constitution. As far as I'm concerned, right. interpreting the Constitution is illegal right. because they have to use the Constitution. And, and I, we have our, our, our legal reporter, Jonathan Mosley, who's a, an attorney who's up in Virginia. He's well-versed in the D.C. swamp. Uh, he's in the next hour. So, if, if, uh, Kevin, if you, if you can stick around, you're welcome to stick around. Um, but says that's going to be fascinating. Um, but we're going to talk about uh, yeah, many yeah. Supreme Court cases. Yeah, Kevin, go ahead. Yeah. The Supreme Court can only interpret laws comparing them to the foundation of the Constitution. Supreme Court makes no laws. Matter of fact, rulings, opinions that come out of the Supreme Court, the countries don't have to abide by them if the countries think that they are unconstitutional. We are so far off from the way it should be. It's just ludicrous. Yeah, let's get answers response to that too because I'm curious. I'm, I'm going to kind of bounce back and forth between you two. And what where's well, your I, interpretation? You know, again, it goes back to understanding of how our country was founded, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, again, the states are supposed to control the federal government. People created government. We don't have that right now at all. We, in fact, we have anything. We can get it back. But, we can get it back, but it's going to take the fact that the states have to acknowledge the fact that their corporations do. I mean, we live in the free state of Florida, uh, Greg, but we're also living in an incorporated state, just like the cities, the, the, uh, the counties, they're all incorporated. And when you have corporations, you have government employees working for corporations. They're not public servants. They are beholden to their pensions and their benefits. They're not beholden to you and me. And well, if it's a corporation, where's the charter? Mm-hmm. Who, who chartered this corporation? They, have, they all have done in Bradstreet. They all have done in Bradstreet numbers. You can look all of this up. This is yes, the EFC uh, has that too. You know, they're 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 on they, they all do. They're for profit. They're for profit corporations. And since okay. when did we want to have our state become a for profit for, for, for corporation? You know, Ron DeSantis is doing some good stuff, right? For, for instance, and it's the little things like toll. Or he's rolled back our toll prices on on the roads, so it's less expensive now to travel up and down the roads in Florida. That's awesome. But yep. you know what? He's sitting on a massive surplus. So let's, let's put some of that money really back to work for the people. Alaskans, you know, because of the oil revenue that they were getting, were getting checks every year. Why aren't we mm-hmm. getting some checks back? I mean, we have massive amounts of, of, of uh, tourism here that generates a ton of revenue. Why not make it a, 
better for the people who live here that would have to put up with the traffic every season. Well, funny you should say that. I'm open to a bill. I'm writing something up, and let's get it to – I know a couple of state representatives. I'm still in contact with Matt Gates at the federal level. You know, there's things we can do. Let's do it. Right. You know me. I'm ready. I feel like, you know, we're we're sitting here when we don't really have a true constitutional republic organized anymore. We become corporatocracy everywhere. Mm We've got to we've got to acknowledge that we've got to we've got to roll that back. Why would you here? Here's why do you incorporate yourself when you go to start a business, Greg, and you decide to put mm-hmm. up an LLC and incorporate yourself? What is the purpose of that? Limiting your liability. Uh, there you go. So why should a public servant be limited in liability when they're the ones making decisions that impact us? Why does Fauci have a liability shield? Why does the EUA have a liability shield for these vaccines that are killing millions of people? You can't well, no, we can have your wait, wait, wait. Let's, let's You can't force this. this is- this is well, critical. No, no, no. I'm just saying, we, let's, let's right. deconstruct the corporate construct, Greg. This is mm-hmm. the problem. We're hiding behind liability shields of corporations, what makes yeah. it, which basically protects anybody from being a genocidal maniac. And mm-hmm. this does not work for the people. I'm sorry, it doesn't. But we've got to build to change that. Hold on just a second. Um, I'm this is a really important point. Judy Mikovits and other folks are, are presenting our vaccine product liability bill. She does it every conference, every meeting, every time she's on the Reawaken America tour. She's going to be doing it again fairly soon. So the word is getting out there. People are starting to realize that we have the legislation right here at Action Radio to fix the very problems that you're talking about. And if you could help us, join us, you know, get these bills out there, it's a very simple Anybody can read it. We don't write in legalese, you know, and you've seen our bill. Uh, and this bill very simply says in two places, you know, where it says vaccine manufacturers shall not be liable. I basically took out the word not and says they shall be fully liable. Anybody can understand that. Now, Congress is never going to pass that bill willingly because they take all their money from Big Pharma. They're bought and paid for. But the people, if they know about this, especially those who've had injuries and deaths in their family from the, from the COVID jab, they're going to be ripe for this. And we get this out there and we find out which candidates want to run on this. But there's people that support vaccine product liability. I was on with Emerald Robinson and uh, Lindell TV. She supports it. Other people are supporting this and it's growing. So I'm just hoping you guys will do this too, but the bill is there. It's written. It's ready to go. John Cullen, who did the, um, the COVID map for, for Johns Hopkins University, we used to have the, the, our world's greatest doctors panel for 18 weeks. Mike of it's Cullen, Artis, Thorpe, all these guys are on the show every week. And we talked about this bill. It's there. It's done. It's ready for you. We just need to get it into the public. And I think it's a great idea. I, I support the idea of getting this in front of the public, but I think we also have to kind of run in parallel, Greg, because we've built a well, massive fine. bureaucracy. You've, we've built an overblown bureaucracy mm-hmm. that, has, uh, that is destroying our country right before our very eyes, not only our country, but around the world. But here in the United States, we're the last bastion of freedom, technically. Um, but mm-hmm. judging by the Joe Biden open border policies that are already giving people uh, residency, as well as uh, the ability to get right to work before they even come across the border. The, the new plan for Biden's border 2.0 is mm-hmm. just a complete dilution of our country. So if, if we're not willing to stand up and go, we've got to get back to the basics of what our country was when we were first constituted, why we came here, what we were standing for. If we don't go back to that, take a look and decide if that's what we want or not, then we are ostensibly just surrendering to the corporation. And part okay. of the corporation is this, I have to say, faux representation of government, including the entire legislative process. Because uh, you know, all you have to do is to understand the fact that um, we've lost our state rights and all the power has now been centralized in D.C., of course, which is what our founders never intended, is to just understand that Washington supersedes states' rights anytime they wish. Anytime they wish, a la 
the COVID vaccine. So getting a bill and trying to get people who are beholden to the pharmaceutical industry to pass this bill when we can't even mm-hmm. have a fair election is probably impossible. It's really going to be tough to do that. Well, I've never worried about things being impossible. Well, under the current yeah, I conditions yeah. in which we're operating, yeah. it is, it is, these people aren't beholden to us. That's the problem. They're beholden to the corporation. Brought to you by Pfizer. I rest my case. Yeah. No, I, I agree yeah, with you. Like, but you know, I, I, don't think it's, I think it's possible, Kevin. And then I want to switch to the Zelenko <laughs> yeah. Foundation. No, we haven't gotten to that yet. And I, and I want to get to. I want to find out what's your guys' okay, go, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead, Kevin. I'm here. No, I'm waiting. Who's going to go? Pianki, Kevin. Who wants to talk? Yeah, you're getting people confused with a Walmart, IBM, or General Motors corporations compared to what the state constitution allowed villages towns, municipalities to incorporate in order to form themselves. There's a great difference there. And I hear that quite often. Like you said, people people have the power to control these things. For instance, the the shot. It would have got bad if they had came out physically, threw people on the ground and jabbed them in the arm. But people volunteered to do that because of their ignorance of a whole lot of things that uh, is not being bestowed down upon even our kids in school today. So uh, I don't buy that uh, that Washington, D.C. is controlling. Washington, D.C. only controls because you let them control. I mean, back in the 55-mile-an-hour speed limit, you had states said, we're not going to do it. The federal government said, we're going to withhold your money. The state said, well, you can't withhold what we don't give you to withhold from us. Thank you. It's uh, Josie in the program here. She's just joined us. Josie, good morning. Hey, good morning. And I got news for you. Hello? Oh, You're on. Yeah, go You're ahead. doing fine. You're on. And uh, Josie and Phil, we had breakfast in Missouri last year, remember? <laughs> um, the good news is uh, I became a state national. Uh, I, I remember you were sharing with us. Wow. about it and I started investigating about it and uh, I'm an organizer for Scambia County here now so oh, I do a lot of meetings that's awesome yes so we're that's excited me awesome. and my husband yes oh that's awesome I so you would agree it. that the, the, the British never lost the revolutionary war they just deployed corporatocracy to, to assume power here in the states Yes, we are owned by the United Nations, the Pope, in England. and England. Um, yeah, see, I don't believe I that. Know, I know. Justin and I have talked about this. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of our it's one of our ongoing uh, uh, debates. Yeah, and so great. I want to learn more about it. it. No, I don't. I think I think you honestly believe absolutely in this. I just I'm skeptical. I don't, and so that's why you it's know okay. we'll, we'll talk about it. Yeah. Hey, listen, I want to, because what we have these folks, and actually, Anne, I, I really want to do this on a separate show, although we've taken some of this, but I want to hear both of your, sure. COVID, Anne and Kevin, I want to hear your COVID story. I want to know how you got involved, how, when you first realized this was a problem, how you met Dr. Zelenko, how you started the foundation, what are your goals? So tell me that story. That's, I think that's, uh, that would be you know, great to do today. Sure. Anne, you want to start? Oh, how, Dr. Zelenko. How, go ahead. Anne and Kevin. Oh, Kevin, you want to go first? No, no. My, my story is going to be real short. Let Anne, Anne is perfect. Anne, go ahead. Okay. Oh, so it's very simply uh, what I was getting over COVID myself after the 2020 uh, CPAC. I was uh, literally lying in bed on day 10 of having a high fever, and Dr. Zelenko's letter was addressed by President Trump during the coronavirus press conference. And um, 
I said, my God, this guy has exposed big pharmaceuticals because he pointed out the fact that hydroxychloroquine is efficacious in treating COVID. And I had immediately looked it up and found the NIH had a study in 2003 that showed, yes, hydroxychloroquine was very successful in treating coronaviruses. So to me, it was very apparent that Dr. Zelenko had exposed the big pharmaceutical industry as well as the agencies like the NIH and FDA and CDC and covering up the fact that there was already a treatment out there, but they were trying to scare us that there wasn't and use masks and lockdowns and, of course, a vaccine to treat coronavirus, which, you know, we all knew at this point we were learning very quickly. So I happened to have a sponsor, uh, Brian Weinstein at Synergy Health, who went to school with Dr. Zelenko and told me that that's the gentleman that that, that Trump was referring to and he could introduce me. So I was the first journalist ostensibly to do an interview with uh, Dr. Zelenko. When was this? When was this? March of 2020. Interesting. March of 2020. Yeah, that's yeah. when uh, Trump talked about coronavirus and, and hydroxychloroquine that day on the podium. Fauci mm-hmm. basically lied. He pushed, basically pushed Trump off the podium and said we need to study it with double-blinded placebo-controlled trials, which had already been done in 2003, proving efficacy to treat coronavirus. And then again in 2005, they saw that hydroxychloroquine was efficacious in treating H1N1, the flu. So mm-hmm. they just lied right through their teeth, and they were exposed right there in an instant. It was all very, very clear, and Dr. Zelenko took everything he had to stand in the gap for all of us. He, he was the, the man in the breach, you know, fighting big pharma, and he has a book coming out next month called uh, Decapitating the Snake, and it's about his journey in, in all of this. And, and meanwhile, Who's writing he's it? battling cancer. Uh, Dr., uh, uh, Dr. Zelenko and Brent Hamachek wrote the book, and it's uh, coming out uh, next month. Okay. So. Yep. Yeah. Very, very exciting. It'll be available uh, here very shortly. But anyhow, the, the point I'm making is Dr. Zelenko mm-hmm. was that first voice out there making sense of all this and giving people the Zelenko protocol. So we had an alternative. And look at the incoming that man took and the amount that was published, the fake, the Lancet, the fake Lancet study, all this stuff, that the fake Lancet article, I should say, that was published saying that hydroxychloroquine was dangerous. Meanwhile, it had been used for 70 years. Uh, everybody I knew that was in the military took it when they went overseas to prevent malaria. There was nothing wrong with this, this medication, but they were going to absolutely villainize it as well as Dr. Zelenko because they had, you know, other ways that they were planning on monetizing. Hence, Fauci with his, uh, you know, stock options at Moderna, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It just goes on and on. This public-private Here partnership, Dr. Fauci. Yeah, Feel free to call Dr. Disgusting. Fashion. So, uh, yeah, and, and that's, so. you know, naming is a big part. That's interesting. So you got to talk to, to Dr. Selenko before I actually met him. I had a friend of mine uh, in Brooklyn who introduced me, and I got to meet him. He was on the show with me in August of 2020, and we actually ended up writing a bill based on that first interview. And so that's the one I've gotten to you also. It reforms the emergency use authorization procedure, reforms the FDA. I have to go back and, and rework it a little bit. I've got to put the old law in as well as the new law so people can, can reference it better. But if you want to take that mm-hmm. one on, as, as a project. I mean, I sent you the, I, I think I just re text them so you probably haven't had a chance to look at them again, but that bill's there. And I'd love to have that as part of the Zelenko Foundation is a bill that uh, he, I mean, I actually wrote it, but he gave me all the information. It's all based on, on what he told me. And so it was fascinating. In fact, I went over it with him and he endorsed, you know, his own bill, which is kind of interesting. Um, but uh, there's a, there's a great bill to reform to actually fix this whole process. Great. That's yeah. fantastic. Go ahead, Kevin. I know you've got a great story. Yeah, I want to hear your story, well. Kevin. Oh, well, well yeah. I was sitting at my this? dining room table. I was sitting at my dining room table around 2019, late 2019, um, 2020, and a young uh, assemblyman, Jamal Holly, who I knew since he was a kid, um, mm-hmm. we all grew up in politics in New Jersey, and he came to me and said, Kevin, we have 10,000 parents down at the Trenton State House fighting for their religious exemption. So I was sitting at my dining room table with some wine, and I was like, well, why are you telling me? 
He said, well, they have a piece of legislation that um, they're trying to push down, you know, push through the, um, through, um, the legislature that would take their religious exemptions. I said, well, who would vote on something like that? I mean, we all, I mean, our religious exemptions is a part of our constitutional rights. I mean, who would do something like that? So he was explaining it to me. And at that time, I think I checked out of the, that part of the government affairs business that I've been always involved in. And I was like, well, listen, because he kept pushing me. I said, okay, let me look at the bill. And when I looked at the bill, it was a discriminatory bill. Urban, mm-hmm. urban kids lost their religious exemptions, and suburban kids, they kept theirs. That's basically what the bill was saying. So we hmm. talked about it, and I highlighted it. I said, look, if you go back to both houses and say that this is a discriminatory bill, they're going to change their thought process about this because right now nobody wants to look like they're being discriminatory towards anybody, especially black Americans or women, especially in New Jersey. I know how sensitive they are about that. So he goes back and he wins the day. He comes back to my house the next day. He says, Kev, listen, I really want you to go to this um, um, pro- um, thing I'm working on. I bring in the Black Caucus to meet Bobby Kennedy. He says, but the Black Caucus is not, you know, making themselves available. I said, yeah, because they all work for Big Pharma. I said, what you do is you go and you call my wife, who was elected for 20-some-odd years as a mm-hmm. councilwoman at large and a councilwoman um, of the ward in the city of Newark. Go to her, talk to her. She'll bring all of the leaders from the state together. And that's exactly what she did. So the next day, he comes back. He says, Kevin, I want you to go see this presentation that Bobby Kennedy is doing um, around autism and what's happening to black American kids in this country. And basically, I blew him off. And then my wife comes downstairs, and Ann knows why. says, Kevin, you should go see this. And so I go to see this presentation, and I was blown away from, the, from a perspective that why didn't I know this? I, you know, I've done hospital acquisitions. I've built housing for middle class and poor people. I've done public policy. I've, why didn't I know this, especially around health, because I was doing hospital acquisitions. Maybe that's why I wasn't paying attention. I wasn't making money off hospitals. But then when I started talking to these parents, I started realizing we have a bigger problem. I mean, this is a major problem. This is a serious crisis, in particular for black Americans. I don't think they understood what was happening around the country. Forget about their body, sovereignty, and slavery, and modern-day slavery. Forget all of that. But what has been happening to them that has made them so sick? I represent one of the most sickest communities in the country, now and in the world. So how did we get here? So after I saw the presentation, I came back and said, listen, I'm going to get involved, but we have to build out an institution. My first institution we built out was Urban Global Health Alliance, and that's how I met Dr. Zelenko. I met him because we were on tour. And when I signed on to this, I've traveled, for, like Ann told you, I've traveled 400 and some odd thousand miles because I believe that the country needs to be waking up from the inside, not the outside that I realized that if we didn't start to deal with each other and start to get past this race narrative and start talking to each other as Americans and understanding that all of this racial stuff is nothing but a social construct to keep us apart from one another, that we will never deal with these pressing issues about the 1986 vaccine injury um, law. We will not be able to deal with the fact that big pharma is controlling and now the corporatocracy is controlling our government. So I thought that if I can at least lend my voice to that, and because I have so mm-hmm. much experience in working in, you know, the government and interacting with the government as a lobbying, a government affairs professional, and someone that actually ran various boutique companies around development and community development, I realized that if we didn't have a strong institutional voice, we were never going to cut through. So when I got on this journey, I was just trying to help those mamas and those mama bears, we call them, because it was important that they had good representation, that they that understood the game, because I'm an insider, I'm not an outsider. So I knew Hillary Clinton. I know how they operate. I know how the Republicans operate. I know where they get their money from. Where they get their money from. I know 
how they've been working together to strip us of our body sovereignty for decades. And I know how strong, if, we, um, if we strengthen our local government and take back our schools and really push our voice out there, I know that the government cannot weather that storm if we all get unified. So my role for the last two, two years is to travel around the country to communicate, mm-hmm. to all, communicate with the world and say, okay, this is what's happening. This is the next step. This is how we beat them. This is how they're operationalizing it. This has nothing to do with race. This has nothing to do with any of class. It's about power and control and heal the elements that they're using. And this is modern well, day question like you've never seen before. This is a, this is a great story. Uh, in fact, I, it just suddenly occurred to me, I think I used to listen to you on the Brian Sussman show when I was in San Francisco. You're that same Kevin Jackson, right? Kevin Jenkins. Kevin Jenkins. Okay, so then I got it wrong. Oh, yes. Then it's a different person. Then. Okay, mm-hmm. I looked at the wrong person. I, my mistake. All right, guys, for that. Okay. Let me ask you a question, though. Let me ask you a question on on, uh, on race, though, because it seems to me that the uh, the government uses race to divide us. But most Americans, we don't go about our. I mean, I don't think about you know what would a white person do all day. You know, I don't think Pianchi thinks what would a black person do all day. You know, it, it, it's really this comes to, to the government is imposing you know the sort of feelings that you have to feel that your race is everything. And I'm not sure if if, if the American people in general feel that strongly about that that the government's trying to force on us. I think most people are rebelling against it. You look at the show. We're all over the place. Well, I think, I think, you know, people, of, I think people are rebelling. Uh, you know, both genders, race, we don't care. And, and it, it's not an issue unless it becomes an issue. And it becomes an issue when it becomes a government policy. So how strong do you think that is uh, as far as the American people in our, in our daily feelings of race versus what the government wants us to feel? Kevin. Well, this is just not the government, the corporatocracy. It's the, the mainstream media. It's big tech. It's big pharma. It's all message now. It's in the DNA of this country to use these con- social constructs to keep us from uh-huh. talking to each other. Just like but we do Trump talk to each other, though. Uh, you look well, at Trump yeah, rally. But, but, um, well, yeah. You, well, in a, or, in a smaller – In a, daily lives, in a smaller, Americans in a smaller, are always talking to each other. This, this is what I'm curious no, about. No, but that's not, that's, not, that's not necessarily true. That's not okay. necessarily true that we're, we're talking to each other more than we ever talked to before. I think uh-huh. that's why this COVID thing, as bad as it was, was a good thing. Because think about this. There are new people around the world talking about faith, family, and freedom. There are new people around the world talking about how we re-engineer the church that really deals with the faith community. We have now mm-hmm. people around the world. This is how it happened. Now, all of a sudden, we're talking about race, but not the way they want us to. We're saying, listen, this is not about race. This is not about um, – it's about power and control. It's not about class. So that conversation has started, and it has mm-hmm. gotten better. But now what you're seeing is a full-court press. What they did to Kyrie Irving, what they did to Yee, what they're doing to all of us. I'm on the Disinformation 12 list. I'm probably one of the most sensitive people in the world, but it never stopped us because we reacted as Americans. We started traveling around the country. We started mm-hmm. connecting with each other. That's how I met my dear friend, Ann Vandersteel. That's how mm-hmm. I met my dear friend, um, Dr. Zelenko. That's how we have a new tribe now. That's why the Patriot Movement and the Medical Freedom Movement has cut through. We just have to keep our single focus. We have to stay on mission. And we cannot become like our oppressor, or we cannot become like the people we're fighting. So we always have to continue to keep communicating about what's presently in front of us so we can get to the solutions to change these things permanently so tyranny can never come back again. So what you're seeing now is you know, uh, what you're saying. We have a communi- we're communicating more now. We are talking more. But if you turn on your TV right now, all you hear is white supremacy. White men are bad men. Oh, by the way, your child can be whatever it wants to be. A boy can be a girl. A girl can be a boy. Oh, by the way, if you say anything, if you even think it, we're going to take your rights. I think that's gotten us to talk more to each other and start to trust each other more as opposed to our government officials or our government 
and or even some of our pastors who closed down their churches and Zoomed in Jesus. I want to talk about the churches in a minute. Yeah, that's a really important point. Let me get to Pianki here. I want to know. uh, About five minutes left. Go ahead, Pianki. I want to know: Is it skin color? Is it political party? Well, 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 it's a skin. That's an interesting question. The skin color is a social construct that they use, right? Racism, for instance. You know, poor people. You know, Uh, skin color is real. No, 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 no. no, no, I'm not not suggesting. I'm not suggesting. Skin color is real. So is it, if you got a black skin and black is is all over the place, really, you know you got Mar- Mariah Carey, you got Wesley Snipes, so let's say anything that's not Lily White is black. So is it skin color or is it political party? Herschel Walker is black, he's a Republican. Clarence Thomas is black, he's a conservative. The guy there in uh, Carolina, what's his name? Doggone, I can't think of. He's just talking about retiring. He's black. He's Democrat. The Congressional Black Caucus is black, but they got a standing rule that no white Democrat can be a member of it. So what is? It? I mean, I'm confused. No black Republican can either. <laughs> well, I don't, I'm not confused about. I'm not confused about it at all. I'm not confused. I mean, the racial issue is an issue that we'll continue to have in this country. And I don't believe America. And I'm black American. And I've been in all of those rooms. I know. So I'm, I'm saying it's both. They have politicized this whole racial narrative to keep us separate from each other. And then on the race side, on the race side, we have never been able to have a tangible conversation about what that, the elements of racism is and the construct of racism, because you have to have power to control that. And majority of Americans oh, wait a minute, don't have wait power a minute. So you're saying that black can't be racist? You saying that blacks can't be racist? I heard you put that word said, power no, no, no. in there. I said, no, no, no. I said black Americans don't control the racial construct. The racial construct that continues to keep driving this racist narrative or these racist policies. That is a fact. Because you have to have Well, I disagree with you that blacks do control. It's, it's not, they it's control not, no, it no, within no, their own it's paradigm. Not, it's not. You have your. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You cannot. You can, Kevin? Let's see. Here we go again. Here we go again. When a black person tells you that black can't be racist because racism is an act, I, has nothing to do with skin color. I didn't. I didn't say that. I said the construct of racism. I didn't say that racist black people can't be racist. I said the construct of racism. You cannot. You don't get racism. The construct. The social construct. How it's pushed out into our communities. How was pushed well, out on TV? How was pushed out in public policy? That ain't what Claude Anderson called it. Claude Anderson called it two different words, racism. And he's very reputable in a black circle. And, so and I know there's Claude no Anderson. agreement well. on even what racism is. You bring it really is not the problem because racism, the <laughs> only Gentlemen. time racism become a factor when it violates a person's civil rights. To be a racist is not illegal. No. I, well, first of all, I didn't say I said racism, the construct of racism. I'm stand right by that. I know Claude Anderson, so I know exactly where he, how he sits on, on the side of this issue. What I'm saying to you is this. In this country, it's not about race right now, and it's not about class. It is about power and control. And if anybody believes it is about race, they're missing the boat. Do we still have racial constructs in place that stop people from motivating, motiv- I, mean, I guess, growing or evolving in this country? Yes, we can get to that. We just had a black president a multiracial president that did not deal with any of those issues. 
Didn't yeah, the foreign-born one at that. Didn't even want to speak about him. Didn't even <laughs> want to speak ultimate. about him. He could yeah. We could have had, right, he was the ultimate race baiter. Absolutely. I said, we could have done this, we could have had this conversation, and we could have been easily moving past this. But what they're doing is they're keeping us mired in this race discussion so we can't get to the truth of what they're doing to us, period. You can have a... You well, you know, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to let you can about ready to get off the program. You want. Go ahead. Hold on. I want to get uh, I want to get in here Let's too. So Bianchi, why don't you are trying to be Go ahead, Bianchi. You got those that's trying to look at quote unquote blacks as a separate nation. Blacks is not a separate nation in the United States. And they all not the same. You have this you have just as many different ideologies and perspectives in whatever part of the country that you're in, even within the same neighborhood. It's just not that way. You look at your black Africans that come to this country, first, second, and third generation, they move and live amongst whites that the native blacks wouldn't dare do or shouldn't have them up until a point. So you got a multiplex, a complicity of things going on. And a lot of these people just confused for You got your Umar Johnson. You got your Farrakhan. You got your Al Sharpton. I mean, it goes right mm-hmm. on down the line, well, and I don't know how these Americans, people even black contain black, their mind, their sanity. Gentlemen, well, I need to hold you up for a second stupid. because I mean, it's, it's the top of the black hour. Women, black hold, hold on, no, stupid. hold on, Kevin. I'll give you all the time you want in the next hour, but I want to talk. I want to just make sure that we get Ann in here because I know she has to go soon. And so, Andy, <laughs> okay. have any other closing comments or things? And this, I want to, I want to get you two back, just you two. <laughs> uh, actually, <laughs> here's line. my closing comment because I think it's, okay. it is a conversation that needs to continue. But all of this, um, all of this has been, I hate to say it, but this has been pushed on us by the people who want us to continually fight about issues like this. When you mm-hmm. stop and you look at the big picture, God made us all different. He, he, if he wanted us to be all one color, he would have created us all in one color. He made us all different flavors, shapes, sizes, colors, because that's what he wanted. We were created in his image. So the fact that we're having this constant discussion over racism is because it has been pushed on us and, and right. through, I, I hate to say it, the media has been a carrying the water for people who want us to be constantly distracted with fights that shouldn't even exist if you just look at us from the fact that we're all part of, uh, you know, God's family and we're all human beings. So, you know, we, we've had our, our ability to rationalize that concept diluted and polluted by the corporatocracy that wants us fighting about other things while they're off doing things like, oh, creating covid so they can, uh, you know, force vaccinate us and completely, you know, dilute our, our, our ability to be reason, uh, be rational human beings. So that's, that's the high level of how I see this stuff. Is it worth continuing to discuss? Absolutely. But I think we need to pull back the onion sometimes and look at it from the top, a higher level, and go, why are we even here? So that's just the way my mind works. But, you know, nobody's no, right fine. or wrong in this thing. I think it's just we all have to just kind of work through this and decide at some point, do we want to set aside all these differences and, and, and be just – you know, human beings that get along because God created us to be different in his image. I mean, that's the bigger, bigger point for me anyway. But you're right. I do have to go. And you know, um, well, hold everybody up. Hold up, everybody, because I'm going to take a break hey, here for a second. And then I'm going to let uh, – I'm going um, uh, to have Greg give me my phone no- – give you my phone number, okay? I'll get you guys connected. Okay. So speaking of contact, and why don't you give contact information, then I'm going to take a, a two-minute break. We'll get to Jonathan. Kevin, you, first of all, I apologize for getting your name wrong. Like I said, I didn't expect you to be able to call in today. So, it's, it's, so my apologies for not studying up like I should have. Um, but uh, let's, let's uh, take a quick break. And, and let's get the contact information, Zelenko Foundation, Zelenko Report, how do folks find you guys. And, Kevin, I muted you just because absolutely. of the background noise. So, so yeah, go ahead. Absolutely. So uh, I can be found. You can get my email address actually on our website at thefreedomfoundation.com. And I'm on uh, all social media with the exception of uh, 
Twitter and uh, YouTube at Ann Vandersteel, A-N-N-V-A-N-D-E-R-S-T-E-E-L. So love to hear from you. We have a great uh, fundraiser coming up. We've got a couple of them, one on December 8th here in Florida near Tampa at Riverview. And it's a it's called the Z Talk Speaker Series. If you go to our website, zfreedomfoundation.org, you can find that. And then, of course, we also have our, our Black Tie Gala this March, March 11th, Saturday at the Trump Doral. We have Charlie Clark as our keynote speaker. We're going to have three different panels during the day with a gala in the evening. It's going to be a phenomenal event. Please come out and support. You'll uh, see a lot of your favorite folks will be there, but we'd love to see all of the, all the good people who believe in freedom and body sovereignty showing up. We don't care what your party affiliation yep. is. We just want you there supporting the fact that we are truly meant to be free. So I appreciate your time today, Greg. Thank you for having me on. Oh, it's great. Listen, come back anytime. You know, you're always welcome here, uh, even if we disagree. <laughs> that's part of the, uh, the, the whole learning. And that's Absolutely. Part of, uh, just to show folks conservatives disagree too. Okay, you know, we have uh, there's all kinds of things to do. Kevin, let's get your contact information, then we'll take a really quick break, and then be back with Same uh, thing. Kay Jenkins at ZFreedomFoundation.org. You can find me on, um, obviously, Twitter and Gitter at, um, at KevDJenkins1. I'm on two socials, same thing. So I'm all over the place. I mean, I don't really activate my social media that much, but it's pretty active now. Okay, good. Well, that sounds good. Let's take a quick break. Two minutes. I'll be right back. Do you know your way around healthcare, insurance, pharmacies, surgery, alternative treatments and choices? I don't. Which is why I'm so glad I met Priscilla Romans, had her on Action Radio, and learned about health patient advocacy. She is the founder of Great Care. And now as an affiliate of Great Care, we are proud to offer through our discount code, WYL, which stands for Write Your Laws, a 10% discount. Great Care saves you both time and money. They provide medical advocacy, consultation, advice, and recommendations nationwide. Their website is greatcare.com. That's G-R-A-I-T-H care.com. You can email them at greatcare.adm at gmail.com or call them at 469-864-7149. That's 469-864-7149. Great Care, better health through better knowledge and advocacy. Hmm, it's not playing. What's wrong with my... uh... Oh, that's no fun. There it goes. Action Radio. Part of the ADHD Radio Network. The ultimate free speech zone. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed and have the power through juries to nullify the laws by which we do not consent to be governed. At Action Radio, we don't report the news. We are the news. Every other show reports what has happened. We talk about what can happen. From the questions no one has thought to ask, to the answers no one has thought to consider, to the actions no one has dared to take, that is Action Radio. So it appears I had a stuck button for a minute there. So I've got, uh, for, for Kevin, you knew this, I've got uh, my left hand on my keyboard, my right hand on the mouse. I'm talking, 
and I'm pushing oh. buttons and running the board at the same time. It's really kind of interesting. You want to talk about multitasking. It's fun. Anyway, <laughs> stick around as long as you want. This is going to be fun. Uh, Jonathan, Jonathan Mosley, The Legal Report. Good morning, sir. How are you? Good morning. Hi. Um, unfortunately, still your you, – well, if, if, I hope people understand the reference to Saturday Night Live, Caveman Lawyer. Um, your time zones <laughs> frighten and confuse me. Uh-oh, I'm um, sorry. The same you know, time every so, week? Uh, yeah, you get so, your regular schedule now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's the same time every week, 9 no, o'clock Eastern, yeah, 8 o'clock Central. What? No, but the problem is I'm not regular. I'm, we're over, I'm over in the uh, mountain time zone here. And, what are you doing? And what adventure are you on? Hmm? What adventure are you on? What's what? going on? What are you doing? We're what are you doing in the mountains? On a, uh, we're sort of on a work retreat, try to get some some work uh, things organized and, and okay. Ooh, uh, sounds so classified. Been about, about a week. Okay. Uh, well, unfortunately, yeah, just because everybody's so crazy. Yeah, um, that's for sure. <clears throat> and because the government's trying to stop everything that could possibly be good, so we're. Um, but anyway. Uh, so anyway, I'm I'm trying to wake up here to brew some coffee, but uh, it's mainly because I couldn't sleep, wanting to write some 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 proposed uh, stipulations just to torture uh, some prosecutors for um, for another uh, lawyer here. So I got can you talk about that case? And start writing. So mm-hmm. so Kevin uh, Jenkins is on the line, and he works with Ann Vandersteel. They have the Solenko Foundation. So just to let you know who's here, Josie's here, Pianchi's here right. too. Um, so it's it's a, we got a busy morning. Good. I'm sorry. Go ahead, sir. And, and I'm trying to wonder, um, you know, our, your friend Roger is out here. He's not quite up yet, but I'm wondering <laughs> how much um, how much news we can um, I'm authorized to go into. Yeah, when uh, he gets here, can he call in? Can he join us? And that way we'll, we'll know exactly yes, how much if he, if he, when he gets when he comes downstairs. Okay, um, put some cold water in um, wake him up. Can we identify he, him at he's least? Up, but he's not. <laughs> what? Can we identify him at least? It's in progress. But the thing is, there's a lot, actually okay. a lot going on between um, <clears throat> we're debating a lawsuit about January 6th okay. that I think is very, very interesting. This woman is, um, <clears throat> who looks for this has, has done tremendous research on the effect of tear gas, CS gas, oh, OC gas. Interesting. So I did not realize two things, that the usage, well, three things. The usage of that gas is not really authorized for interior spaces, except in, you know, little, you know, we see in the movies like a little Pepsi can style thing, but silent massive use, it's, it's, it's really not it's not supposed to be used inside an enclosed space. It's not supposed to be used in massive quantities. And the videos that we're seeing are just absolutely massive in, in mm-hmm. the, the videos from January 6th. Inside I mean, the Capitol like or, or where, is the, where is the tear gas used? Yes, inside the Capitol. Okay. Um, just thick layers of powder left over. Uh-huh. Uh, one time you could see... Um, a, a could see um, a police officer opening an interior door and just billowing thick, you know, fog that you know you cut with a knife coming through, 
And then you you combine that with the discovery that mm-hmm. one of the side effects of of that gas and especially massive quantities to create an aggressor response. That's just what I was going to ask you. So, exactly what I'm, I'm thinking, because this is all designed to inspire a riot. That's what they, they want an insurrection. Mm-hmm. Do you know what this reminds me of? Do you remember Waco when they had that, uh, I think it was the CS gas that uh, Janet Reno euphemistically called an irritant. She kept saying, I mean, she irritated the hell out of me just saying that. That irritant caused well, the, uh, the fires that killed a whole bunch of people and then they bulldozed their bodies into the ground. Mm-hmm. So this is, this is very much of a Waco type scenario and is, is it the same gas well, i'm just curious it, it, it is an irritant it's like calling it's like calling you know the, the american revolutionary war the you know the mild unpleasantness um, <laughs> I, mean, it is, I, I was thinking like the nuclear you know, it, bomb it, call it a, a slight disturbance you know it's that kind of thing it's you know exactly. it's not an irritant this so is, yeah yeah okay I mean, so i know it where you're going designed to be an irritant to drive people away uh-huh. But there is video, and this, see, this is part of part of what I'm finding, and and I can't seem to get anyone to understand this about January 6th and all this, you know, all the the, the there, there is still massive things that's being that are being withheld from the public because mm-hmm. of the abuse of a protective order that doesn't even apply in most cases. What um, kind of protective order and, is it? And I'll see what Kevin thinks mm-hmm. of this in just a second. But the, what kind of protective order are we talking about? Well, the, the, in order for the government to disclose information that it had regarding various you know, information they, they obtained from people or mm-hmm. from the government and they provided it to defense counsel, mm-hmm. the defendants had to sign uh, and, and be subject to a protective order issued by the court. And so that's where you hear that there's 14,000 hours of video being withheld from the government, or that you know, that's hardly even the biggest the, the surface. Yeah. Huh? Well, you said withheld from the, from the government. It's uh, they're withholding it from us. Oh no, right? I'm sorry. Yes, of course. I'm that's sorry. okay. Um, yeah. So, um, and you know, the thing is, is, it keeps growing. It's like we're in the middle. We're in closing arguments today for the Oath Keepers trial, and they're still collecting more information. So how do they have how closing the heck arguments? How do you have a trial? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the trial's not over. And just to let Kevin know that uh, we, we've had Stuart Rose on the show. He called us from Oklahoma Federal Prison. He called Jonathan. Jonathan put the conference call to us, so we've actually talked to him in prison. It was, it was fascinating. Um, but uh, So I'm following Stuart Rose also. So what's going on with that? And how can they have closing arguments? You know, and is there an appeal? Can you appeal if evidence comes in after the judge has closed off arguments while there's still evidence coming in? I mean, what's the procedure on that, well, Jonathan? I mean, they have... Uh, the defense attorney to our left in the, the case has not been very aggressive or effective, mm, except for how about David, that? David Fisher. Mm-hmm. But they have, um, I mean, there is a record of asking for continuances on the basis that, you know, that information is still coming in and they're, and they're swamping us with information that, you know, is just as deliberately sabotage. I mean, the amount of information that's being thrown at the defense attorneys is not just because the, the case has a lot of information, but there's pretty, there's pretty strong indication that it's, it's intentional sabotage of the defendant's ability to defend themselves. For example, I <clears throat> spent, you know, over the holidays, something like 10 days trying to download from a system, a government system with very limited capacity, a um, um, 50 gigabyte 
download. And, you know, there are commercial software that would actually be able to handle that. We're talking about government. Yeah, but how long would it take uh, to read it? <laughs> how many years would it take to read it? Well, they were videos. Oh, okay. But they've, admi- they've admitted that it would take that, – that what they – that one segment of what they provided would take like four months to review, hmm. you know, and, and, it, it, you know, they, in opposing a continuance, they said, yeah, we gave them a bunch of information. Yeah. It would take over 120 days or whatever it is to review it, but we still don't think there should be a continuance. Um, so in response to my complaining on the record about um, the, you know, this 50 gigabyte system, Mm-hmm. Um, which did not need to be um, – where are we here? It did not need to be – you know, when I finally was able to, to make it work, it did not need to be um, – hold on. Can you give me your – it did not need to be all in one chunk. They could have broken it up. So right. when I complained on the record, representing then Kelly Meggs, that this was unworkable, what did they do? They sent one twice as large. You'd think they would have said, you know, like, oh, no, we're trying our best. We're not trying to sabotage anything. Um, so, you know, it was, it was an intentional screw you to say, you know, 50 gigabytes was, was choking the, the defendants, so let's send one twice as large. Well, you've got, a, um, you've got so, a government judge. You've got, you know, a government prosecutor. You've got, I am sure, a government-compliant defense attorney. How does the defendant have a chance? They don't. I mean, I, I, I learned, I got some communication, um, and they're commenting to a Twitter for, uh, you know, the, uh, Steve Baker is live tweeting a lot of what's going on. Um, and when I commented uh, on some of this stuff <clears throat> on Twitter to the, to the live news feed, um, Angel Harrelson, uh, Kenneth Harrelson's wife, chimed in and it was just heartbreaking she's saying that she's not i mean there she kind of confirmed that um that the defend the defendants are not happy and they're screaming you know they want their the defense attorneys to do things that they're not doing and they're just you know they're, they're nothing that is happening is what is what they want to do is it, it, the way they want mm-hmm. to be and um mm-hmm. Let me jump in here for a second. I want so, to bring uh, Kevin, uh, Kevin Jenkins in the conversation from Zelenko well, Foundation. Give me your phone and, number, uh, too, because I was trying to look up your – the reason I paused, I was trying to look up my, your, your call-in number while also on the line. Oh, Can I'm sorry. Yeah, 215-383-3832 yeah, is the call-in number here. 215-383-3832. Yeah, tell me to do it one more time. 215-383-3832. It's kind of like a Rush Limbaugh number. <laughs> Kevin, can you help out, Jonathan? Do you have access to people that might be able well, to help with a legal funding or, or you know, any kind of aid or publicity or anything you can do? These represented some pretty amazing people. Well, we can, in, always, in the whole we can always, we can always show. Yeah, we can always showcase um, his efforts. Can you hear me? Yeah, we can now. Yeah. Hello. You're fine. Oh yeah. Yep. Um, you're on. We can always promote. Um, we can we can always promote his efforts on the Zelenko. Um, report, you know, in the next couple of weeks if he, if he likes that. But one of the things I was, you know, paying attention to, a lot of people don't understand what he mentioned earlier, that the courts, you know, are not structured to really help us. You know, that's why having a great defense attorney or having people to represent you that are competent is so critically important. But the other thing is 
that there are a lot of great lawyers and a lot of great institutions that are flooding the courts with a lot of lawsuits. Some of them will be successful, some of them won't. But just like in the civil rights movement, you know, there were a lot of lawsuits being flooded at the courts, and some of them caught fire. We can always go back and suggest that they didn't stand too long. But, you know, that strategy can always work. And there are a lot of people out there that are helping to fund a lot of these lawsuits. I just have to know, you know, which group will be interested in funding one part or as another. You know, you have ICANN, then you have CHD, then you have all of these other, you got Pam Popper, you got all of these people out there funding lawsuits. And there are a lot of, I would suggest, wealthy people that are interested in looking at other lawsuits that might be more credible or might can get through the system sooner than later. But when it comes to the J6 um, defendants, it is a crime what's happening to them. It is horrifying. And all Americans should understand is that is the, the beta test that they were using to see if they can strip us of all of our protections in this country. And I think that, you know, lawsuits like the gentleman is talking about or fighting for those, um, those particular defendants, is a moral, that's something we should be morally prepared to do. We shouldn't be standing on the sidelines and letting this happen because they're, they, they're using J6. Oh, we're not standing on the sidelines, no. Jonathan's right in no, the No, no, not you. I'm not, I'm not even but talking about But if you can, you. let me get you guys connected after the show. And if because Jonathan, I'm sure that if, if Kevin and Ann can have you on. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like we all go home. We'll definitely do that. We'll definitely do that. Hold on, hold on, Kevin. Yeah, Jonathan. And then we got uh, Roger Roots has joined us also. Well, so, uh, you, Jonathan, you know, uh, they came. They came for the trade unionists, and I wasn't a trade unionist, so I didn't say anything. They came also, by the time they came to me, there was nobody left. Um, and you know, that's a big part of it. So, like, we've been trying to get like Trump. Trump's going to try to. We just appointed a special counsel now for Trump, and yeah. which is, which we could talk about a bit. And yeah. you know, we've been trying for a year, year and a half. To make these people, these rich people, these important people realize that if you don't, if you don't fund the people on the front line um, and help them stop this, you know, after they've run over us, they're going after these other people too. So it's not a question. Yeah. The only question is whether they wealthy and wealthy people, whether they fight alone after everybody else has lost, or whether they get involved and fight the fight. That, that it's easy to win and before it gets to them. And, and so far, everybody has, you know, has lost and has failed that test in terms of um, not stepping up. I mean, yes, I'm sure that the radio talk, you know, the, the, uh, b- both of you have talked about it. And I'm talking about the people who could write big checks, who could do both well, things. They're not. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, look how much oh, they waste ahead. on elections. It's it's incredible. Um, Roger, I just had to meet you because you guys are staying too close together. I'm getting feedback from your phones, so you might have just just uh, you know wave at each other, separate a little bit there. But uh, I was hearing it before. So, and again, if you're not talking, it's always good to mute your phone. And Roger, gentlemen, I got you back live again. I have to good drop morning, off, buddy. Oh yeah, do another call. But well, listen, it's great to be back on, on the show. Oh, hold on, listen, anytime, anytime. Oh, so, Kevin, you have to leave. Okay, I was, we had Kevin and Roger at the yeah. same time. So, Kevin, thank you so much for joining us here. We really appreciate oh, it. And I'll you. get you and Jonathan in thank touch. So and uh, there you go. Take care. Thank you very much. You guys have a great day. All right, well, thanks for your help today. This is fun. <laughs> what a great discussion. Yeah, right, have a nice to... holiday, too. Yeah, exactly. Thanks, Stephen's come up. And here we are. So, Roger Roots, welcome back to Action Radio. Last time you were on, we talked for two hours about Western land that should go back to the, the states. It was fascinating. I still send that show out to people. It's great. How you doing, sir? Oh, nice. All right. Yeah, it was a good time. 
I'm glad to be. I'm actually working with my good friend uh, John Mosley uh, on some of these January 6 cases, and uh, I agree wholeheartedly. He's such a great advocate, and uh, you know I am too. So we're quite a formidable team. We just really got started. We, we're, we're I didn't know you guys were friends. For That's some... funny. <laughs> uh, you can come up oh, together yeah. if you want to do like a joint report sometime or, or, or talk about the cases. You know, I'm not sure what you can talk about, what you can't talk about. Of course, I always give the we're podcasts forever. So just make sure that what you say is right. what you can say. Uh, but other than that, tell us what you can. What's going on? How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing great. Uh, like I said, we are actually uh, we're working with the John Pierce Law Firm. And, uh, of course, John Pierce, you know, is a, a good, uh, he's a good conservative uh, legal crusader. Okay. Uh, he represents Carter Page on some big stuff. Oh. But he, doesn't, he, hasn't, he hasn't been um, such a criminal defense lawyer. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the past. So anyways, uh, John Mosley and I are working on some of these January 6th cases. And, uh, can you name uh, any people? Big trials coming and, up uh, probably one. Can you tell us some yeah, of the trials are working on? Coming up. Yeah. Uh, well, John Mosley, what do you think? Should we, I, I don't know how much guys. we can talk about specific. If you can, I think you we can, can talk about general. I, okay. Actually, we are, we Honestly, if I could generalize, we're working on some some of the lower level stuff. A lot of people mm-hmm. don't realize that there's most of the people accused of crimes from January 6 are misdemeanor uh, cases. So you know they're frequently charged with just the act of walking inside the Capitol, uh, and there's so, several other statutes. Let me hold you up right there because this is something that's been bothering me for a while. We call it the Capitol Hill Invitational Walk-In. The police opened the doors. <laughs> they said, come on in. There was a guy in a bullhorn on the tower saying, come on in. Ray Epps is on video saying, we have to go to the Capitol. This is entrapment at best, you know, or, you know, and at worst, it's, 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 they, they incorporated these people into their insurrection so they could twist arms below the Capitol. The seven-hour gap is not there in the congressional record. So this is where we are as far as that goes. So how is it possible that these can even be misdemeanors when these people were invited in? That doesn't make any sense to me. It's, uh, it's, an, it's really an outrage. It's an outrage against okay. every, previous, every previous conception of the right to protest and the right to petition government for redress of grievances, which is embedded mm-hmm. in the First Amendment. And, you know, there have been protests at capitals, including the U.S. Capitol, I mean, hundreds of times, mm-hmm. state capitals. Where, where protesters storm, you know, they use the word storm. Protesters in large groups, you know, open the Kavanaugh Capitol and go inside. Yeah, and it's happened. Yeah, exactly. It's happened in the California State Capitol, the Michigan State Capitol, the Texas State Capitol. It's just, it's, these things happen hundreds and hundreds of times. Mm-hmm. And never before has there been such a full-scale effort by the Department of Justice or any, any execution, uh, you know, group to prosecute the mere entry, the mere, the mere being there amidst protesters, as there is today. I mean, we have, I think, 900 defendants and about three, at least 350 have pled guilty. By the way, I, I frequently encounter uh, defendants who, who are shocked. They, they have fired two or three attorneys by the time they find any attorney that will actually defend them. Mm-hmm. It's so, it's so, it's so sad. Well, that's part of the well, thing I talked about Jonathan. Attorneys, the, which about Jonathan, yeah, that these are, these are government attorneys or the government sympathetic attorneys. They're not defending their clients. They should be removed just for that. 
Um, but they need legal funds. They need, they need really decent, I mean, you know, some hotshot out of law school that wants to make a name for themselves. You know, who's the next F. Lee Bailey? You know, let's get up there and do it. You know, so this is crazy. Right. If you, if you heard what Angel Harrelson was saying on, on Twitter, and, you know, dude, it's just heartbreaking. Um, how, you know, because even when they get a, an attorney who should be taking care of them, they won't, mm-hmm. you know, they won't. It's, it, it's like they're trying to make friends with the judge. Or, or make friends with the prosecutor, and um, and they don't want to um, rock the boat, and and they're and, and they're they're treating this as just like a routine, like speeding ticket or reckless driving, or you know, they they they, they really have no sense of the the fight that they're in and uh, and of the need to actually fight it. They're just doing, um, you know, they're just treating it like it's just a low level nothing. And, this is a, and uh, we're designed to keep before, them from doing it ever again. Go ahead, Bianchi. What? It's designed to keep them from ever doing it again. But you want to talk oh, about I, people I going into a capital? People going into a capital look like they overthrowing the government. Well, didn't the Black Panthers do that in Los Angeles? I mean, in California, when they walked into the California legislature with guns, was they trying to overthrow the government? Look like to me they were. Yeah, they yeah. chased out the the state legislature. That was back in I forget what year, nineteen sixty nine or something. Uh, they they literally chased out the state legislature of California and took over the state uh, capital with with uh, semi automatic uh, Springfield uh, carbines. I mean, you know what what people today call assault weapons. You know, it's happened so many times in different places. So let's I think the longest Jackie's sentence question. in the Black Panther case, the longest sentence was one year in jail. <laughs> and that was for going into the California state capitol with assault weapons and chasing out the state legislature. Longest sentence well, one year. Then and now, they've got, now they've got <clears> Jacob California. Shams. Yeah. What? Jonathan. Go ahead. Go ahead, Jonathan. No, I'm just You've got being silly. J- Jacob Chams- Chamsley, the, the – uh, <clears throat> I don't know. I don't want to dignify their nonsense about a shaman or, you know, he was, he was a Viking, you know, he was dressed up as a Viking. Um, but, but, you know, in my estimation, he's gotten just shy of four years because the media decided to focus on him. So through no actions of his, to, to, well, I mean, he dressed funny and he, you know, but yep. he became prominent because the media focused on him. Therefore he had to be, Severely punished. So, yeah. what's the goal here? Well, let's get to Pianchi's question. What is what, we obviously know this political oppression? I wrote down reverse Nuremberg, you know, where the government is is committing the war crimes. You know, well, they did that there too, but it, it just seems maybe it's not reverse. Maybe it is in Nuremberg, but you've got it's certainly not a Holocaust, but you've got a situation where the government is completely abusing the law. They've done their own insurrection. They're prosecuting people that were actually not there to protest. Everybody forgets this. They were there to support. They wanted to support. The constitutional challenge, the electoral college count of the Trump electors over the Brandon electors. That's what January 6th is all about. Everybody forgets that. Those Trump electors are still out there, which is why I think they're perpetuating the myth of the January 6th committee. And this stuff is still going on and they have them in jail because Democrats don't want anybody talking about the Trump electors. That's what this really comes down to. And I'm curious Roger's point of view on that. And we'll get to Jonathan. Roger? Well, there's so many moving, so many moving parts. And just like the January 6th event itself, 
people experienced it differently. So if you happen to be on the east side of the Capitol, you probably didn't see any violence at all. You probably entered the Capitol without anyone saying stay out, uh-huh. uh, you know, walked through the Capitol and left without ever seeing any, any pu- pushing or shoving. If you went there on the west side that day, depending on, depends on what time of day, but yeah, there was some serious pushing and shoving. Uh, there was moments of violence. I would argue from the videos that I'm, I've seen, is mostly instigated by the uh, D.C. Capitol Police and the D.C. Metro Police. So you, you see these videos where the, it's the cops that initiate the aggression and the violence, pushing, yelling, and using massive amounts of gas and spray, you know, chemical sprays, which are Did known to cause... Was it timed or you synchronized? Know, Could you see a plan to it, you know, through the Capitol? I, I, there's certainly one of the larger door entries. I'm not sure which one it is where you can actually see the crowd was, you know, be- pounding on the door as crowds do. I mean, that's one thing, you know, it's, it's symbolic. It, it was largely performative or theatrical, you know, p- pounding on the door of the U.S. Capitol. And there came a time when the doors opened, the cops came out. At, with batons whacking and, and just flailing at the heads of, of the protesters and then went back in but left it cracked so the protesters could come in. I mean, okay, I don't know if, uh, you know. Yeah, no, that's planned. Yeah, I don't know if Troy has seen that. It's, it's just astounding. Jonathan? What do you know about this? You were there. Um, <clears throat> and remember, again, a lot of these videos are not public, as you started off with. Um, and we need to, like, when the news media jumps in and says, we want to see this, especially the mainstream media, the courts will, get, will, hand it, will relieve it from the protective order and release it publicly. So we need to have some media who want to say we just this, went should be, through a, this should be publicly released. Jonathan, we just um, went through an entire midterm election, and not one gelding Republican stood up and said, I demand these things be released right now. There was no movement from the leadership. There was no movement from the party. It never came up. It was never talked about on the shows. Not a single reporter asked the, uh, uh, the folks at the White House conferences. Of course, those are a joke anyway. But no one, even the sympathetic people, anytime that somebody, you know, like the Ted Cruz's and Rand Paul's and the, the, the Jim Jordan's and even our own Congressman Matt Gates, no one said, why don't you get the video out now? Why don't you make that a requirement? Why don't you make that part of the budget if now that the House is allegedly Republican? I think the Democrats are going to steal it again. I think they're going to find a way to, to overturn three seats and get their house back. That's my biggest fear. But as far as this goes, they don't yeah. fight. They don't fight. We've got Josie in line, too. I want her to talk to Roger because you guys haven't chatted before, I don't think. But Josie was there January 6th also. But let me just ask that question. They don't fight. The Gellings don't yeah, fight. Well, I mean, cause, what do you yeah. do? For example, there's video, there's video that, I, one of our, that our main researcher here has been looking at that mm-hmm. – <clears throat> that, it shows you the people going inside, milling around, and leaving, some of them within seconds. Uh-huh. They walk in the east side door, look around, say there's nothing here, and they immediately turn around and leave. Why did they walk in the first place? Minutes. Is anybody ushering them in? Well, is, is, the, is the door wide open? Does it look inviting? Is, is somebody out front saying, hey, come on, there, I want to see the let, let me answer that. There's, there's yeah. so many different stories. So there's a different story for each person. Huh. Uh, you know, some of it's, you can find some that were actually waved in. Yes. Okay. So that's entrapment. How can that be? Absolutely. Okay. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, then, I, and I'm um, thinking of cases like Simone Gold, who mm-hmm. entered from the east side, 
what's her name? Simone, is her name Simone Gold? The, She's the famous part of doctor uh, for America's Frontline Doctors. I'm trying to get her on the show. She's an attorney as well as, a, as a medical doctor. Mm-hmm. She's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, she pled guilty. She oh. pled guilty, and uh, it's just such a shame because so many pled guilty. But honestly, and I can barely blame them and because the odds of winning are overwhelmingly against them. Let's face it. So the D.C. jury pool is so bad. The D.C. jury pool is 95% Democrat registered. Uh, overwhelm, you know, overwhelmingly African-American. Uh, overwhelmingly, they've done polling that, 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 that they view the January 6th <laughs> protesters as, as criminals, terrorists, and racists. Uh, and so, I mean, and, and, you know, and despite the fact that I think many of our clients, I mean, the ones we're uh, working hardest for, you know, I mean, Hispanics, black, uh, all kinds of people where they were protesting on the side of the Trump, could say Trump forces. Uh, but anyway, that that is what the the D.C. jury pool really is right now. And it's it's going to it's almost certain to convict. In fact, they, they're having a hard time finding you uh, got to move the trials. Uh, trial, you know, 12 Because 12, it's so certain to convict. Yeah, uh, because it's so uh, certain. The blacks, in, the blacks in D.C. have the condition to hate whites. That's something, I ain't saying all, but a lot yeah. of that has and goes on. And people need to call it out for what it is and stop uh, cootie footing yeah. around. <laughs> We're going to save our country because see, the problem is is that once the government finds these tactics that work, they're just going to keep doing it and making it bigger and bigger and worse and worse. Um, we we probably need to get a hundred thousand conservatives to move into the District of Columbia. Um, yes. And um, obviously of all races. Or make know, it so nobody can live there. Like that, but take away the residences and make it a, a government autonomous zone. <clears throat> so the juries yeah, have to go and, into and, states. Well, because well, wait a minute. Let me think about this for a second. DC is not a state. DC is not covered by a state. It's exclusively federal territory. Uh, is is can they even hold civil trials there for people that are members that that are citizens of their state? Is there something there that we could use? Um, well, <laughs> it, it's such a strange jurisdictional thing. Uh, you know, okay. the founding fathers de- deliberately in the Constitution, uh, you know, changed it from the Articles of Confederation to have this 10-mile mm-hmm. square area of the seat of the federal government. Mm-hmm. And it was mm-hmm. deliberately supposed to be a separate kind of a place. It wasn't supposed to be a normal state or anything, and <clears throat> in part because they had been holding Congress, actually New York at first, and then later at the Philadelphia State House, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And, and, and then for 10 years, Congress met there, you know, between the Articles of Confederation and the Constitution. And at, at some point, there was there was arguments made, and I think they were good arguments, that the state of Pennsylvania uh, was getting too many benefits. It was too cushy with the federal government. Mm-hmm. And, and so, it, you know, so they decided to have an independent place. And there was also an episode where a bunch of, I think, the Revolutionary War veterans had come and basically were throwing rocks at Congress and were actually, like, you know, harassing Congress for not paying them or something like that. And so Congress mm-hmm. fled Again, this is another example in history. There's been so many examples where, where po- popular protest groups show up and chase out the legend. This is not uncommon in history. But, yeah, mm-hmm. they, the Congress actually had to flee the, the Pennsylvania State House, And so it was for that reason that in the Constitution they created this provision for this independent district. And now, now today, of course, the Democrats are trying to turn that into the 51st state, which they well, know will always be a Democrat. 
No, well, that, yes. that, that's, that's, yeah, that's impossible legally, but it doesn't mean it's not going to happen. Um, let me get Josie in here because she's, she was there too. And so do you have any insight you can help Roger with? I don't, I don't know if you two have talked yet. No, I haven't. Uh, good morning. Uh, I was in the back part of the Capitol, and my knee was in severe pain because the cold was very severe. When very crowd, bumper to bumper, and they started releasing all those bombs, gas bombs, and a lot of people in wheelchair getting hurt. Uh, these people are evil. This Democrat Party are the one that orchestrated the whole thing. Everything was well organized. And they're doing this maliciously just to make U.S. citizens suffer in a prison. I live through communists, and this is exactly what we have through communists. Get away. They do whatever they want. And I'm very shamed and disappointed with a lot of Republicans that they haven't moved a finger. They really haven't done anything to get those people out because even terrorist criminals, they get a trial. These people are locked up for so long, suffering, that they are, they're begging to go to Gitmo right now, a lot of these people. And uh, what oh, yeah. I wanted to ask you guys is, what are they being accused of that many? Because that many did not go inside the Capitol. Well, what you are know, they the being thing accused of funding, I guess, right? That uh, of 900 people. Okay, everybody take a turn. Let's start with Jonathan, and then we'll go Jonathan, to uh, I want to know, then, why uh, are they being accused Well, I was just going to ask Roger, I mean, because I think, I assume that they're, <clears throat> of the 900 people arrested, almost all of them are accused of going, of actually going into the Capitol, right? Uh, I would say overwhelmingly, yeah. It's probably 90% at least. But there the are few, few was there, in fact, they we're, weren't that. But, but Rosie yeah, we're, we're was actually, there, uh, she's saying that. Yeah, Jonathan uh, first, well, and Roger. We, we are working on cases of, of guys that never went into the Capitol, never, but who are accused of, you know, the, some of the pushing and shoving outside, which is the most, most of the, it, to the extent that there was violence. It was mostly outside. Because, you, you know, when, uh, when we were approaching the, the Capitol, like bombs are going everywhere, people started running, and then things settled down a little bit. A lot of people, you know, were trying to put a mask on and still moving forward. And we could see with our eyes the police lowering the barricades. One of the police was helping me, trying to go across, but my knees were in pain. And I, I, I mean, I wasn't planning to go inside the Capitol. I was trying to get as close as possible. Um, also, all of a sudden, there was a team of at least 50 men. Most of them were men, dressed up like Trump supporters, making way to go in and encouraging people to follow me. Let's go inside the Capitol. And some of the people followed, but not everybody. And, uh, and and they they just push you away. So people were like, what the heck is going on? They were like a march in, in a line. At least 50 of them at a time were going in the back. I don't know what was going on in the front. I was not in the front. Uh, so you're saying you're I, saying that the, the the people that was convened there with Trump during his his rally speech, when you got there, all of this commotion was already going on. Yes. Yes. So how is it there that the people that Donald Trump was speaking at the rally speak 
was going to walk up to the location and get in the front of all those other people to go into the Capitol. Because they're well, they the only point. one that they can say that Trump encouraged to go down and raise Cain like that. So that just don't make yeah. any sense. You just don't walk it's up. Okay. Here you are late for arriving, then all of a sudden you're going to walk ahead of everybody and be at the front. That doesn't work. No, there was a 45-minute walk, and uh, whoever walked faster got there faster, you know. Well, I was not walking fast since I was in a lot of pain. But uh, just we just started filling in the back part, and whoever went to the front went to the front. Uh, but the thing is, there was a lot of people already that it must have left early because they were there, like, way now, over now there. Here's... That, that was some of the some of the people were telling us they were already here's, lined up in there. Here's what I think. The key to this is the fact that Trump started his speech one hour late because he started his speech yes. one hour late. The Trump supporters were still there. The coup in order to be successful had to stop the challenges of the battleground states that had Trump electors, Arizona, New Mexico, mm-hmm. Nevada, Michigan, Wisconsin, Georgia, Pennsylvania. We know these states really well. Arizona alphabetically is the first one. So the coup, Black Lives mm-hmm. Matter and Antifa had, and the FBI and all their informants and all their minions and all the other government people involved in the coup had to be in there to stop Arizona's challenge. They had to stop that. That's yeah. where the coup began. The problem was, and this is where this falls apart, and this is where Jonathan and Roger, I want you to comment on this. The problem was because Trump started his speech late, the Trump supporters never, Trump supporters never got there in time to be in the Capitol to use the excuse of an insurrection. So they had to go in with their own people first. So if you can document and face recognize those, the first people are in there while Trump supporters were still walking from the late Trump speech, this is where this all falls apart. How am I doing? Jonathan, Roger? You're You're right right on it. Okay. Yeah. Roger just stepped outside so he doesn't get, he doesn't get the kind of look, I think. Jonathan? That's exactly, can you hear me? Yeah, you can hear you fine, but I just that's want your exactly. response. I'm curious. Because we talked no, about No, but I, I, think, I, think that, I think that's, that's correct. Is, um, but but like, like others have tried to say that they, they wanted to be prepositioned, but they wanted, to, they wanted to scoop the, like say, the Oath Keepers in. They wanted to push them in. That's where you, you started out was like all the people being pushed mm-hmm. from the crowds. That Becker's identified... One of our top researchers is identified by someone who's the pusher, who keeps pushing people um, <clears throat> in the crowd. And by the and way, side, of like, course, yeah, and I was going to say, uh, it's, it's, there is a massive undercover informant and or uh, undercover officer contingent as well. So How many both do you think? Antifa. What are we talking about? It, it, How it, many people? Well, it's, there, there are massive numbers of Antifa, yes, but there's also undercovers, and we now know, it's come out there were different agencies, not just FBI. Capitol Police had undercovers, and uh-huh. some of them were dressed like sort of proud boys wearing militia-type outfits to make it look like they're the, they're the scary ones. We now know there were at least eight proud boys. And, and by the way, there weren't even that many proud boys there that day, maybe 40, 50. So that's like, uh, what, you know, 10% of every proud boy. One out of 10 was an undercover. The Oath Keepers had undercovers, FBI and, and other agencies as well, I believe. What other agencies? Metro, the Metro Police Department had undercovers that day. D.C. Metro? Okay, who else? Yeah, and so there, there, there was large numbers. And, 
Hold and, on, and what you just said, Greg, I believe applies a lot also, not just to the Antifa agent provocateurs, but to the undercover government, uh, you know, fake, fakes out there. Well, they had good people in by Arizona. They were the first people. Yeah, they yeah, had the first Arizona. people on the scene. Huh. Yeah. So here's my question. Hey, what time did the doors say... open? Hold, hold on, Jesse. What time Wait, did the doors I... open? What time? So if the doors opened before the Trump supporters got there, and who opened that should the be door? evidence, too. And who opened the doors? That's a good point, Jesse. Thank you. Who opened well, it, the doors? It, it, it's a messy story. But by and large, the, you know, one of the biggest issues is the actual January 6th defendants, like the Oath Keepers, is that the Congress recessed before they arrived. So, so the, <clears throat> really, these people are charged with they're guilty of unauthorized use of a time machine. Where they they caused the recess. I mean, the Capitol. <laughs> you know, the Capitol <laughs> went into lockdown at at 2 p.m. according to the U.S. Capitol Police timeline. Um, we found out in the Oath Keepers trial that the parliamentarian Wickham said Nancy Pelosi was was whisked off the floor at 2:13 p.m. The Oath Keepers didn't get there until up to the top of the stairs until 2:40. So, so what you're describing when, when, when the original, you know, coup plan from the government went off the rails, the, the, prop, the, the timeline does not work, and they're just ignoring that. You know, I keep, we keep, keep bringing up the and fact let me, that <clears throat> if, I, if I could expand on what John Mosley is saying, uh, it was the pipe bombs. Okay, it was the discovery of the pipe mm-hmm. bombs, which was earlier. It was about 1 o'clock, so an hour earlier than everything started happening. And it was, it was mm-hmm. a, probably accumulation of events, but the pipe bombs probably are as much or more to, uh, to credit or blame uh, for the recess of Congress, which was very brief in the big picture. I mean, a six-hour recess, and yet there's hundreds of people charged with felonies for, you know, disrupting Congress. Well, they didn't even get in the same room. There was never one moment where a single breaching protester was in the same room as a single member of Congress. It didn't happen. They're all innocent of that. But, but well, you know the funny thing. Wait, wait. Somebody ahead, took Jesse. three or four computers from uh, Nancy Pelosi's desk. So they went in her office. Yeah. And Trump has those computers, by the way. <laughs> those laptops. You know there's, the a lot of moving part. there's a lot of questions, yes. There's so many different issues. And again, we, you know, we end up working on defense teams of, of but we have one little picture, one, one little story, one person, and there are so, hundreds, maybe thousands, tens of thousands probably of separate stories involved here. And, yeah, there was Antifa. There was undercovers going on. There were attempts to make it look worse than it was, mm-hmm. and we know that. In fact, we have video of cops inside the Capitol throwing stuff around, just uh, throwing trash cans to make it look like the protest was worse than it was. Well, what this sounds like is that all this was planned, even to the portable toilets that were stationed outside. You would have to put that already in earlier than the date that uh, January 6th. But, you know, a funny thing is the chairman of the committee, Benny Thomas, he was a member of a separatist, a black separatist group, the Republic of New Africa, I'm not saying he was a member, but he was sympathetic to him, and I knew some of the members myself. And he's sitting there at the head of the committee that's investigating these insurrectionists. That's very, 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 very biased to me. 
And uh, God, in any other trials that you guys are going through, have anybody has mentioned a team uh, from the Ukraine being brought in and dressed up like Trump supporters? Have you heard any uh, no. of that? I have heard. I have heard that. Uh, I have heard that, and uh, I, I haven't seen it in the cases we're working on, but uh, I've, I've definitely okay. I've heard that uh, story. Well, what, what we've seen, like with those keeper cases, that is that the judge wants to shut all that down. You know, anytime mm-hmm. somebody wants to talk about anything like that, he just wants <clears throat> he will just do anything he can to disrupt people, yell at them, um, you name yeah. it, to, to prevent mm-hmm. any discussion of that. But well, you know, <clears throat> the other thing I want to say is. You know, why did why did they decide at 2 p.m. and 2.13 p.m. when, you, like you say, the, the session began at 1? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. We have tried to get that information out of the U.S. Capitol Police for a year, at least a year. And they will, they will not – I mean, you'd think they would say, here's the documentation of why the Congress recessed. You know, here's the threat assessment. Here's when we said this is untenable. We've got to, we've got to recess the the, in a, the Congress and evacuate. They will not tell us. So yeah, when you ask the question, like, well, when, that's, that's when right was there. it supposed to? They, they had to stop the proceedings. That's the coup. They had to stop the proceedings. Mm-hmm. They had to get Congress out of the halls, out of their chambers. Exactly. They had to get them in the basement. They had to bring the Trump supporters up Into top as part tunnel. of the cover. Mm-hmm. They had to do all this kind of yep. stuff. Uh, it's all a farce. Yep. It's all a farce. Now, here's another question. We only have a few minutes left. Right. Um, I, got, I got two things I'm curious about. One, Mike Pence, who is the ultimate traitor that put Brandon in office. And two, we have a mm-hmm. Republican majority now. Oh, joy. Is that going to change anything? Let's talk about Mike Pence for a minute because he's, he's the real linchpin of all this. He purposely betrayed the Constitution, forced the Brandon electors. I'm sure he was part of the arm twisting that went on under the Capitol. He's made his bones to the, uh, the deep state mafia. Now he's gonna, they're going to try and push him for the nomination. He's the biggest perpetrator of all. Yeah, he we definitely he played a role. a role. Yeah, he definitely Rogers. played a role because, by the way, all the rules and the laws of January 6th, you know, the, 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 this vote certification thing, which is, by the way, li- lined out in the Constitution. In fact, one of the early amendments to the Constitution, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it sets, set January 6th as the date when this certification process will begin. Okay, it doesn't say when it will end, by the way. And well, it was it? meant, by the way, hasn't even taken place yet. And, <laughs> yeah, well, no, January sixth of each election year, so the the inaugural right. year. Uh, but but um, the, the laws and the and the Constitution allow for objections and protests. And by the way, Congress itself had set an agenda two days earlier, saying we hereby. And I believe they set a lengthy agenda for for because they knew there would be objections to some of the. To the vote well, there were 12 delegation. senators and 149 House members that said they were going to object. Yes. And, and, and it was on the agenda. There was going to be full-out debates and hearings, which would have been on C-SPAN for, for the American people to see. Mm-hmm. And Mike Pence played a role of shutting that down, ultimately. Mm-hmm. He literally yep. he wrote you know, the famous letter that he wrote that day, which he did not share with anyone. Did not, you know, no, he, no one knew where he was going. Until he drops this letter saying, "Oh, it's it's largely ceremonial. It's just a ceremony." Mm-hmm. And so he played a role of shutting debate down, really. 
Well, he also canceled so, the consideration yeah. of, of the Trump electors. Now, I think they came back later and actually voted, but they went through the state's rapid fire. They voted, that, oh, yes, we're going to accept Brandon. So they didn't even allow the challenges. So as far as I'm concerned, constitutionally, aren't we still at January 6th? We never got to January 20th legally because with those challenges never went forward. Or did they cancel the challenges by switching the votes after their seven-hour thing? Well, I, we, I, I don't know. I mean, I think they just they just didn't they didn't go through with the challenges to the other states. But what you're saying is is that the one thing that the deep state could not tolerate is mm-hmm. to have the entire nation watching on C-SPAN, where the evidence of the stolen election was presented um, in the floor oh, of the I house think of that. on C-SPAN That's a good point. for the whole world. Yeah, yeah, good point. So instead, it, it was. It was pushed out to 8 o'clock to 3 in the morning and overtaken by this whole, whole phony uh, exercise. Um, yeah, and by the way, it was, a, it was under a six-hour recess, if you can imagine. So uh, it was much ado about nothing. This whole, oh, the protesters breaching the Capitol and storming the Capitol, insurrection, all this, this, all this bugaboo, is, it, it was an, an under six-hour recess, which is actually quite normal. It happens all the time in Congress. So why is it and in by the con- way, it's also, congressional record? Why is it in the? Con- I've looked at the congressional record. I've, I've, I've studied, you know, the January sixth uh, thing. There's, there's this gap. There's just nothing there. It just says they recessed and then, yeah. then they came back. But yet they were meeting. They were still in. They were still, as far as I'm concerned, technically in session. <clears throat> so why isn't there a record of what they talked about while they were <clears throat> under the Capitol? Yeah, Greg, yeah, well, Greg is, very, Greg I hadn't even thought about to, that. That's a good point. No, Greg is big on mm. yeah. Greg is big on the fact that 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 there were there had to, there had to be conversations in the basement or wherever they were taken to. Oh yeah. Convincing these people, you will shut up. You will not continue mm-hmm. with these these objections. And that's not in the congressional yeah, right. record. If it's a, so a good, you know, if, so that's if was the coup. If, the coup is what happened upstairs. Yeah. Is, the coup is what happened downstairs. <laughs> Roger, mm-hmm. you know, that is a good You're point. Right. Uh, uh, by the way, another point that, uh, that should be made is that on any working day in the U.S. Capitol, there are that many people in the hallways and, and mm-hmm. boisterous and loud. You know, I mean, there are rules to be, you know, try to be quiet, of course. And, of course, our, our clients are all charged with violating those rules, misdemeanor stuff. But on any given workday of Congress, there are that many people milling around the hallways in conversations in the hallways. I mean, They've made this event into this huge thing that it really was not. No, the event was downstairs. Josie's got a big thing on that, too. She agrees with me, and Jonathan does, too. I call it the talk. Once they went downstairs, they got the talk. Yeah. Josie, Mm -hmm. what do you think? Yeah, the whole thing is well organized, and uh, I just can't believe people are continuing uh, being in prison uh, like, like if we were in another country. And by the way, are a lot of these people, they cannot afford lawyers. Are they uh, appointing a state uh, lawyer to them? Do you know? Well, the, 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 remember that the American bar and bench, I always tell people, is probably 70% Democrat, maybe 75%. Hmm. How about in, that? Mm-hmm. In the D.C. area, in the D.C. area, the, the legal profession, the lawyers, the bar, and the bench are at least 85% Democrat, maybe 90. Mm-hmm. So yeah. to the extent that there's 10% lawyers that might lean the other way or be independent or Republican or conservative or libertarian, 
That's 10% of the lawyers available, and most of them won't work on criminal cases because it's sort of, you know, most lawyers view it as a lost cause. You know, the best lawyers I know won't touch a criminal case because they view it as beneath them, and the government always wins. So it's it's just such a depressing area of law. To we need to change the rules. Some of the <laughs> so we the, need to, yeah. We, so yeah, the families, that's, that's, families yeah. are bringing their lawyers. Are their families bringing lawyers from outside? Uh, yes, there's a little bit of everything. And remember, some of the January six uh, defendants were business people and whatnot. They have some resources, uh, but some of them are mm-hmm. absolutely broke, and so they get yeah. appointed. The court appoints lawyers for them, and again. We found that overwhelmingly the lawyers that get appointed are they just say take a take a plea plead guilty plead guilty. She. Well, mm. we've got uh, Dorothy on the line now. So what I want to do is, is sum up a little bit here. And let's, I haven't heard from can, can I got, can I ask? Yeah, sure. Can I ask Rosie something real quick Josie. just to end out? Is that so, sure. Josie? Did you um did you get affected by tear gas, or do you know anybody who was around you who was who was uh, tear gas? Uh, there was a few people, but I have goggles on. I came prepared because they were saying you better bring goggles in case there's tear gas. Or, or you never Who know. Who told you that? Because we, where did you we, hear that from? Uh, we, ex- <laughs> we expected that Black Lives Matter and Tifa will try to attack us, you know, in our minds. You know what I mean? To yeah, prepare, bring goggles just in case. And we well, did bring you know I got a bunch of goggles from my store. Yeah. <laughs> If you know anyone who uh, who was affected by tear gas, let us know, all right? Okay. Yeah, personally, I didn't, but i seen some people in wheelchairs just falling, and it, it was a mess, crying. They're pouring uh, some sort of a soda in somebody's eyes because they were, like, screaming and crying. Yeah, but no, not nobody in my group, yeah. Sounds like more than an irritant, Yeah. as they say. Well, God bless you guys. Alright, Fine with me. Anyway, let's get a closing statement, see where we are now with the trials, and then I'm going to take a quick uh, couple-minute break, and then we'll get to uh, Dorothy, uh, Diana, and the sex and sensuality report. So Monday is politics and sex. It's really a great way to start the week. This is how we do things there. <laughs> well, I'll just say, uh, if I could sum it up, I believe, it, it, obviously, it's a terrible – we are up against overwhelming odds in these January, January 6th legal defense uh, cases, but – uh, pro- there are prospects for hope, and I'll just say that, you know, in my opinion, the lower mm-hmm. courts that we're dealing with, these district judges at the trial level are so overwhelmingly, there's so much bias against the defendant, and they're, they're issuing rulings that, are, that I don't believe will stand if they go up on appeal. And so I think, I think there, is, there are some prospects for hope because we may ultimately, in the end, it might be year, a, a year or two from now, get, get court rulings from higher courts. That might strike down a lot of this stuff. Well, Trump's going to establish no, good. Trump's going to pardon all these people. Trump's going to pardon them. So, so well, this is why they're doing the trial it, so fast now because they know they're all going to get pardoned. You know, January twentieth, twenty twenty-five. They all need to have. They all need to have reparations too. 
Minimum $10 million each. Sounds good to Things me. This could happen. <laughs> yeah. All right, everybody. Hang on. Josie's left us. We've still got uh, Roger, Jonathan, and Pianchi. You're welcome to stick around. I'll play a couple things here, and we're going to completely switch gears as we do here. Be right back. From addiction to achievement, that is the story of Mike Lindell. It started with my pillow and now goes to my coffee. Action Radio is proud to be an affiliate of my pillow. Our discount code is the same for all our product affiliates, WYL, which stands for Write Your Laws. My Pillow Pillows are guaranteed the most comfortable pillow you'll ever own. Action Radio is guaranteed to be the most controversial show you will ever hear. Check out their products with our discount code at mypillow.com slash WYL. That's mypillow.com slash WYL. Or order now by calling 1-800-544-8939. That's 1-800-544-8939. Sleep well so you can wake up and hear Action Radio live. Hello, this is Greg Penglis for our newest shooting range here in Milton, Florida. Stand your ground. My friend Jason Myers and crew are creating an incredible facility for our city. Stand your ground is located at 6632 Elva Street. The phone number is 850-789-1776. Their email is standyourground1776 at gmail.com. Here you'll find either in process or already going an indoor shooting range, axe throwing, archery, a rage room, self-defense classes, concealed carry weapons classes, security license training, paintball, a full-service gun store, and 24-7 online ordering. So come on down or contact them by phone, email, or website and learn how you can best stand your ground. Action Radio, dedicated to fixing everything. There we go. We've got everybody back live. So, again, it's best to mute yourselves when uh, uh, when you're not talking. That way we can sort of minimize the background noise. So, Dorothy, we have sex, guns, and politics. This is quite a Monday. This is fun stuff. How you doing? How you been? I've been really well. This is a great way to kick off the week, isn't it? Oh, I love Mondays. Mondays are great. You know, <laughs> it, right before the show, I get all flustered because I I haven't done a show for like three days, although I did one Saturday out of the, the Creek Tribe, uh, out of the Creek Fest, which is absolutely fabulous. But, um, but yeah, my, I love Mondays <laughs> just because of, of all you folks. We had a great first hour. We had some guests. We had, uh, uh, we had Kevin Jenkins and Ann Vandersteel, and we had, of course, our, our regular report. We've got uh, Jonathan Mosley and uh, Roger Roots, who's here also. Roger's still here. Roger was here. <laughs> Roger just left. So it's Pianchi, you and me. And so we shall, uh, oh, we shall delve into, yeah, yeah. I catch the podcast. They're busy lawyers. They got work to do. So uh, I understand. Mm-hmm. So yeah, what's going on this week? What happened? What revelations? Uh, is it cold where you are? Are people snuggling up and hiding in cafes under blankets? And, you know, what's going on? It's, that's exactly right. It's very cold here. And I have noticed my favorite cafe is completely crowded all the time now. Hmm. Every time I go in, there, there's a long line. Everyone's discovered mm-hmm. it. Everyone's wearing um, flannels and, and taking all the boots. And I'm okay with that because I grab and go. But, uh, yeah, it's freezing. Very cold North Carolina. We've got snow an hour north of us. 
Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, mean, I love actually, it. Was, they had a huge blizzard in, in uh, New York. And so, well, this, is, this may be off topic. This may not. You never know with, with our hour. Um, blackout babies. Uh, I'm pretty well convinced I'm a blackout baby. I think I remember hearing oh that, uh, that huge uh, birth rate. Those are October babies. Well, why do you, where do you got October babies from, from January blackouts? Well, you know, what, what, what do you do when the TV goes off? Absolutely, well, hey, when you're staying at home, it's, yeah. it's so nice to be forced to stay at home and, and then rekindle. You know, when we, we're we so busy these days. Everything is so busy. I'm looking at houses right now, and I'm looking at old farmhouses, and my agent and I are loving to discuss how different. So the bedrooms are super tiny, right? Mm-hmm. And um, mm. And so my kids are like, these are small bedrooms. I'm like, yeah, because what you used to just go in there and sleep and, you know, there's other things, but it was very limited. You didn't hang out and live in your bedroom. You didn't have a TV. You didn't have, you know, and how much life has changed, right? But back to the blackout and, like, COVID lockdowns, you know, there was a lot of silver linings. People rekindled their romance. They rediscovered each other. There was lots of time to do it and take your time and play around. Well, this is interesting. Uh, let's, let's talk about birth rate, marriage rate, uh, relationship, you know, stuff. Did, did those increase during COVID because so, so many other things were yeah. closed? What happened? That's a very, that's actually a big concern. And I don't, you know, I don't, I'm not your political segment, but I have to touch on it sometimes. Cause everything no, I'm just talking about people getting together. I mean, I'm not talking about happened, COVID. We've already done that, what, but I want to know is, what, though, were, what were people during, doing during that time. That's what I'm curious about. Well, so I think we discussed it on an earlier show that um, some segments of the population found their sex life increased and got better. And some, that's right. Some problems problems that were there got more exposed, which is what happens Mm. when you're forced to get slow down and look at things, right? Either, Mm -hmm. either you're reminded of who you really are in a good way or, or the shadows come out. Right. But uh, the interesting thing about COVID is, you know, we expected to see the birth rate, a skyrocketing birth rate, mm-hmm. um, a timeline, a typical timeline for when there's um, na- natural things or situations in our culture, which forces people to stay home more, whether mm-hmm. it's snowstorms or others. But with COVID, we didn't see the birth rate that you would expect from the amount of people that stayed home from work. And that was a little bit concerning. So they're trying to figure out um, we had a huge miscarriage, increase in miscarriage rate, actually. Oh, really? Um, wow. Yes. So pregnancies happened, but babies didn't get born as much. So that's Stress. something for the medical community to explore. Yeah. I don't know. I, there's a lot of ideas, hypotheses, and some of them are kind of controversial, but it will come out. Uh, there's a segment of researchers that believe that vaccine caused sterility as well as uh, birth defects to the point of stillborns, which is very sad and awful to think about. But you know, time will tell, but that's an interesting phenomenon. Oh, we interesting, talked about that. Uh, we had our, our world's greatest Dr. Yeah, I want to get on to your topic, but I'm always curious because, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the, 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 our topics, once I get a thought into my head, it kind of carries through for the show. So it's been, uh, it's been an interesting thing. So let's get to, to what's uh, your main topic of today. So I just we'll came from, and I just came from, yeah, I just came from a coffee shop. And, huh. um, and this was so interesting because you had said what's happening at the coffee shop. And the yep. man in front of me in line was a banker. And he said, how'd you know that to everybody? And, um, and I could okay. tell he was Filipino because I used to work with Filipino nurses and I didn't want to offend mm-hmm. him, but I was like, do you speak Tagalog? And he's like, no, my parents wouldn't teach us because they like to keep secrets from us. So it was very cute. But, um, we started talking about nursing in Los Angeles. He was from Los Angeles. And, we, and then I, so I asked him, I said, I'm just going to ask you a, a question and just tell me, 
you know, hopefully you're not offended. What do you think is the most important thing to have a healthy sexual, sensual relationship with a partner? I said, some go on the radio and I have my topic, but really, what does everyone want to hear about? And he said, it's absolutely communication, which I think hmm. was spot on. Yeah. Yes. And he was very philosophical and expanded on it. And I said, you know, I think you missed your calling. You're a banker. I feel like you might be. <laughs> and uh, he said he was a philosophy major prior to being a banker. But I would agree with him. I am 100% that Bring him on the show. if you have nailed, I know, well. I'm serious. Give him a call in. Uh, yeah, he would probably have a lot of interesting views on, on multiple things. But okay. I, I agree with him that if you've nailed communication, with your partner, you, I mean, there's nothing you can't get past. There's nothing you can't get through if, if both people are willing. But the topic today was going to be victim pathology and mm -hmm. uh, how common that is and where it comes from and how it affects our intimate relationships and our day-to-day -day and then how do we get past that. So um, that's a big topic, but it's really epidemic. Well, tell me. Tell me all about very it. Very impactful, right? Yeah. Victim pathology is basically the feeling that things just happen to outside forces and people are to blame for your life and for bad things happening to you and you don't really have power over anything. Um, you must be on high alert or suspicious at all times. Um, there's usually a great feeling of resentment and also a feeling of justification and retaliating towards others willy-nilly, right? Feeling that you're always being abused or exploited. Um, and then well, that really, gives you an excuse for bad behavior. Mm -hmm. If you think you're the yeah. victim, then you retaliate and you're just, you're not, people see the independent action that you're taking. They don't see the fact that you think that you're the victim and you're, and you're, you know, it's not self-defense if you're doing the attacking, even though you may think you're, you're attacking in self-defense, but nobody saw the self-defense side of it. Oh, I can see where things get misinterpreted, but it's not an excuse. You can't rationalize or justify, you know, really sucky behavior just because you think that you're being a victim. Um, but I, yet I think that's probably what's going on would be, would be my guess. So it can, it can, it can go alongside narcissistic disorder also. So, and you can probably okay. see that like a lot oh, of yeah. narcissists feel, feel like they're the victim always. Right. And, well, I, uh, I think they, they play, play the victim so they can be the victor. It's, it's a method of control. You know, some of the biggest Agreed. narcissists that I've been in contact with and, and from friends and, you know, I have this like empath community that keeps growing, you know, it's, it's, it's fascinating what's happening. Um, but the, some of the patterns are that uh, the biggest empath is able to play the biggest victim. And, mm -hmm. you know, what was me? Everything went wrong in my life. Oh, please, you know, help me, con you know, and in being victims, they control. It's like it's like uh, mm -hmm. racial gender politics. I don't want to say politics, but and that, that's enough on that. But just but it's the same kind of psychology. It's like you have to do for me because my life was miserable. Now you owe me, and in owing me, I control you. It's and a way to it's a survival skill. It's a way to cope with bad things that probably have happened, and it's just another skill. It's a poor skill, but it's a it's a skill a skill to cope in life to feel like there's some semblance of power, right? I, we're looking I mean, at this from I, two totally different. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm listening to you, but I'm, I'm mm -hmm. just thinking we're listening to this from two. We're, we're approaching this from two totally different points of view, um, mm -hmm. and it, it's fascinating. You're much, uh, much more sympathetic to this, and I'm not, um, because I see, I see the the victim is the perpetrator. And, and oh yeah, no, I agree. A victim okay. is very um, de destructive to people around them. No, no, yeah. I agree. But because I work with women working through trauma and 
coming from bad situations of all kinds and levels. Um, it's just the victim pathology, the narcissist, these are just different ways of coping with traumatic childhood, essentially, where there was emotional neglect, abuse, so bad things actually did happen. Mm-hmm. And that child was unprepared and unsupported, whether they, whether it's a personality that they were born with or they didn't have a caregiver around, um, you know, the, the, the adult self is trying to cope. So, you know, we all come to the table, most of us, with garbage and, Mm-hmm. You know, how do but we get through it? How do we how do we become our best selves? Whether we're victims or narcissists or a little bit of both. Hmm. Well, see, I don't, I don't, I don't uh, buy that. I think narcissists are responsible for their behavior, whether they are victims or not. Because there are lots, of, lots of victims that don't become narcissists. There, there are lots mm-hmm. of victims that uh, you know have horrible things happen to them. I mean, you know, orphanage people that come on to you know run giant corporations. So it's, it's yes. So what we're not talking but, about. We're not talking about an actual victim. We're talking about victim pathology. Two different things. All oh, of tell me the difference. At some point, once we, tell me the difference. Yeah, well, once we get to adulthood, bad things have actually happened to us. Now, again, that's all perspective. If I'm right. really right. elevated and really in my best self, mm-hmm. I can look at the bad, quote, bad things that happened, and I can say, oh, my goodness, that actually was good. If that hadn't happened, I would never have met so-and-so. I would never have gone on to this career. I would never have been able to have empathy for this population that I volunteer with on my off days. Like there's so many ways to put a silver lining on it, but mm-hmm. you know, if we just look at it on paper, bad things have happened to everyone. A victim pathology goes into a very vulnerable feeling of helplessness, powerlessness, hiding uh, okay. the bad things that happened, using it to escape life and to um, get others, manipulate others. Sometimes there is the reason that victims and narcissists have so much in common is um a victim, think about how self-centered the victim pathology is. It's very focused on self, right? So a victim who's truly like the survivor of a Holocaust or the, or the, or the people who we all know that have come up from communist countries, escaped communist countries, gone on to make great lives for themselves. I mean, technically we can call them victims, but they have turned it into, so a lot of them have turned it into service to others' energy, right? They haven't mm-hmm. remained focused on their own pain. So that's the difference. You know, how do we alchemize? How do we alchemize the hard things in life, the really hard things? Who, who's able to do that? And how are they able to do that and, and move towards a pleasurable, fulfilling life where they have joy and they spread joy to others and they turn their bad circumstances into, into service to others, right? That makes perfect sense. I'm, I'm just thinking here, uh, again, totally differently, which is why I love having you on, that, there's, that uh, I think people sometimes feel they have a right to a relationship. And however much victimhood they've had and however much they bring a pathology into their lives, that they can still impose that on other people and expect to be treated well. And I'm wondering if this sort of a, yeah. a, a self-righteous, you know, I deserve a relationship, I should have a relationship, regardless of what they bring to the table. And there's some people that uh, should be saying, like, I'm really careful. I'm, I'm, you know, like I say, tried marriage once, don't recommend it. I mean, I joke about that, but I really don't. You know, I know that I don't function well in a marriage situation, so I'm not going to do that again. Mm-hmm. You know, and so, but mm-hmm. in, in a relationship, if you've been a victim so badly, you know, that, uh, that you are, are have, you know, these victim pathologies, do you have the right to impose that on someone else until you've dealt with your victim pathologies? I would say well, no. Well, if you're in a victim pathology, you're probably not thinking about what's best for the other person. You're thinking about getting your own needs that it's Maslow's hierarchy, right? You, mm-hmm. you feel so unsafe and so insecure in the world, so alone, that you're really grasping. And so anybody who's mm-hmm. willing, and, you know, we have two, two to tango, right, Greg? So, there are victim pathologies and there are people who feel important, feel powerful, 
um, mm-hmm. feel turned up and turned on by, by being engaged with those people, right? And we can call them enablers, right? I think alcohol... I've heard that down, yeah. This is, this is my list. Yeah. yeah. Enablers and, uh, and, and rescuers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's right. a rescue so class, too. Right, the needs met. And, and actually, huh. it might work, but it probably keeps both stuck in sort of an um, endless cycle. Yet, that being said, it's still a coping mechanism. I mean... Look, okay. we're all in different journeys in life, and if, if you see a couple and one's always a victim and a martyr and the other one's a rescue or take care of or usually a little bit belittling to the victim, I mean, I'll be honest, once they get settled in a relationship, they mm-hmm. have a sort of an understanding. It works for both of them. And yeah. my guess is they've never actually had a relationship contract where they verbally agree on this stuff. But That is such a brilliant fun. thing. I like this <laughs> idea of a relationship contract. I might actually try a relationship again. You know, this might be fun. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'll let you Just know. You'll be my relationship consultant. Yeah, you have to be mm-hmm. my consultant. I'll have to run my contract oh, by you and lovely. see what you think. Yeah, that'd be great. Well, yeah. I, okay. You know, it's funny as a nurse. So as a nurse, we always are the worst patients, right? So mm-hmm. a nurse can like all day long tell you what you should be doing and give you the materials and give you the, the spreadsheet and the check boxes and the, and the care mm-hmm. plan. But then you go to the nurse's own life and put it under the microscope and she's doing all the opposite things. So no, of course. I, when I'm talking Why do doctors and nurses like, smoke? <laughs> I think they know better, right? All kinds of things, right? So yeah, yeah. everything I say I know is true. And then in my own personal life, sometimes I look at myself and say, really, Dorothy? Okay, really? You know, you talk <laughs> about it. Can you do it? So it's funny. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because when I'm reading about victim pathology, I carry a lot of it. And, and I love to hmm. admit that because if you know me, you know I'm working on this. When you talk to me and I say this horrible thing happened, yes, give me empathy for a moment, but don't wallow with me. Let's talk about now, how did I invite this situation? How did I bring it on myself? How did I choose it subconsciously, perhaps, because it reinforced beliefs I had about myself or about the world, and now how can I move past it? What kind of amazing, miraculous things can I do in my own life to move towards something else, to you know, teach myself that the world, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's different. See, that gets back to our original thing of communication. If you communicate that You've been a victim. I mean, it, obviously, it has to be shared over time. You don't do it on the first date. But as you're sharing and as, you go, <laughs> as, as two people get to know each other, yeah, there's like date food. We should talk about that sometime, too. Um, but as mm-hmm. people get to know each other and share more, you know, somebody that was, was molested as a child that, that wants to have a relationship, that's going to affect them the rest mm-hmm. of their life. The other person at some mm-hmm. point needs to know that. Now, that person then has a choice to say, okay, do I want to spend the years of work with this person? They're worth it, you know, to get to a place where they can have an intimate as well as a you know, relationship and maybe a marriage. Or do they say, you know what? Hey, listen, thanks very much. I don't know if I can deal with this. I don't know if I'm the right person to, to, to go through the process with you to get to the place where you need to be to have that relationship. And so as long mm-hmm. as so if communication is, is that good, you know, and mm-hmm. the communication may involve not having a relationship. I don't think people think about that. Well, we have to communicate mm-hmm. a relationship. Well, what if your communication leads you very clearly to so you think, you know what? We're better off friends. <laughs> you know, we better just keep talking. Let's be each other's, you know, wingman person, you know. But uh, there's a certain point where I, I just think that's really important that you do have to share things that are this critical because it's going to affect I, you. And I will say this. But I agree with you. When I agree and how. with you, but I will say, yeah. I will say this, that mm-hmm. let's do our, each other a favor and be kind. Not that we're withholding, but let's, um, let's first, you know, we, we, our, 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 ourselves are not all consumed with being molested. So for, for the first few days, I think it's fine to be your regular out-of-sex life self. You know what I mean? Like your regular self. Like you're probably mm-hmm. very competent in other areas of your life. You probably have a lot of things going on besides 
having had that background. And by the third date, second or third date, you probably actually either have a connection or you don't, if you're really being authentic. Mm -hmm. So we don't have to spill everything, like you said, on the first date. But if you truly feel like if you're anorgasmic or, or you cannot, you know, have a person penetrate you and, you know, you're really at that stage right now, I would agree earlier, better than later is a time to share that in a gentle way where the person doesn't feel bombarded. You know, they don't feel, you know, there's a, there's a way to share casually yet, yet sincerely um, that, that you might be working on problems in this area. And a hundred percent, there are people who are willing to go down that journey with you. That is not, there is the right person for everyone. You know, we always heard growing up that you have to have this and be this and this to be loved. Mm-mm. There is the right person no, who is going to hear that story, and they'll think yeah. they'll think of their aunt Mildred, who who was a sexual abuse victim, and and you know maybe they were very close with her, and she always had you know was single. I mean, who knows? They, they they a lot of people have a background where they have empathy for that, and they are willing to do that. And especially if the communication is excellent, and you're a kind person, and you've done your work in other areas, and that's just something that's you're you're. I believe a hundred percent, you can have a wonderful partner who will get through that with you and actually like be able to work through that. That's very possible. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Yeah. Well, everybody has something. I mean, we all have backgrounds. We all have, you know, embarrassing moments. We all have, you know, really stupid things we we've done. We've do. all made, you know, horrendous mistakes. And so we all bring something to, to the table. Uh, I think the question then becomes, you know, the appropriate sharing of what it is, if it's something really traumatic, you know, that's going to have a direct bearing on a relationship. Yes. So what, what is your yeah. motivation in sharing? So there we go. Yeah. What is your motivation? Okay. Is it truly service to others or is it service to self? Am I sharing to get attention? Am I sharing um, because I believe I don't deserve a relationship and subconsciously trying to turn this person off? Or am I sharing because there's a true connection? I'm, I'm mm-hmm. breathing. I'm listening. I'm connecting this person. And I feel this is the right time to share this in a way that doesn't make me a victim, doesn't make me, you know, just says I'm working on this. And I think you should know because I feel a connection with you and I feel like this could go somewhere. So I feel like this is the right time to let you know this is something I'm working on. And there's no hard mm-hmm. feelings if, you, if this is something you're uncomfortable with. Um, I just, out of respect, want to share it now. And I'll tell you something, Greg, you probably know this already, but I want to remind you and everyone else that one of the most attractive things about another person is vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And that's really hard for a lot of us to do. But when someone's truly vulnerable and... Um, and, and knows they're not perfect and shares those imperfections in a self-loving kind of way, but in a way that's meant to um, increase connection and really share who you are, that is so endearing to a healthy person. It so, um, so deepens a connection. And, and that's just another example of vulnerability to share that I've had this past and I'm working on this. I don't think I'm totally done with it, but... Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to go on this ride with me? <laughs> <coughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, it's, uh, yeah, it's like disclosure, I guess, the, the, the legal terminology. Um, the question I have here, I was thinking about, um, I, for, I forgot what it was now, so sort of, I have, every time we're talking, like, like a million things go through my head. Um, the problem would be, I think, people that are sharing, you know, for the purpose of manipulation. Uh, like uh, the one thing that's, that's really attractive to, to someone is that someone else is really attracted to them. There's a certain, and I wonder sometimes how much, mm-hmm. how much of attraction is, is almost artificially created by the other person. And that's where the narcissist mm-hmm. gets in the love bombing. And that's a, that's a whole different subject. But the point is, you know, true. you say that being, mm-hmm. being vulnerable is really important um, because that's mm-hmm. being vulnerable really means being honest. 
And I think that's another mm-hmm. good word for it. Vulnerable implies victim, but being honest implies to be much more empowering. It's like, I'm going to be honest. I'm not, you know, I'm not sure everything right away. Well, vulnerable, I'm going to introduce you. Vulnerable yeah, go ahead. is bravery. Mm-hmm. Vulnerable is bravery. Okay. It's, it's not um, weakness at all. It is. It, well, what is vulnerability? It is what is it? How would you describe yourself, what that exposing is? Your soft, exposing your soft parts that may not look good to the rest of the world. Um, and being willing to to expose yourself and let the person have whatever reaction they have, and you're okay with yourself whether they accept you or not, mm-hmm. because you've come to terms with it. So let's say I have a past of a criminal history, and I'm really ashamed of it. Let's say I ran away from home. As that a might be really attractive and... to some people too, because because you know you're a bad boy or a bad girl. <laughs> <laughs> we should talk about that's another whole topic. It's like you know well, why do women wait outside again, prisons for guys to come out when they're you know or on death row or well, anything? Let's say I've right. done my work. Let's say I, let's say right. I have a criminal background. I've done my work. I've come. It's 20 years ago. I have mm-hmm. done leaps and bounds, and now I'm a successful person in everyone's right. eyes. I have a family, and you know I'm and maybe I'm dating again, and um. And to be vulnerable to say, you know, I'm not perfect. I, I've done this before. I have this criminal history, and here's all the work I've done. And um, I wonder if that would apply, you know, mm-hmm. as opposed to a, a direct relationship thing or an intimate relationship thing, like uh, an emotional trauma or, or physical trauma of some kind. A criminal background, I'm just curious. As I'm trying to think of this through as I'm on the air, which is interesting. Would it be important to say that because that goes to your honesty? Would it be important to say that just to be vulnerable? Would it be important that the other person knows that you're capable of doing things, you know, outside of the law at some point in your life and you've, you've gone through a process to change? How would that fit in? That's, that's really quite an interesting topic. You brought it was up. really beautiful. I had a friend once who actually was a very kind, loving, strong man and, um, and had lots of friends and a heart of gold. And he told me uh, a vulnerable story of when he was 16 and his parents were getting divorced. He was kind of twisted in turmoil and there was some drama in the household and he stole a truck. Mm -hmm. He stole a truck in his neighborhood that was full of tools Mm -hmm. and um, he and his friends stole it and they drove it and they left it somewhere else and it haunted him. He felt so bad later. He said it was a working man. It was probably how he earned his living. It was probably, you know, who knows how he affected him. I mean, he had such guilt and feeling bad about it, but the fact that he shared it made me love him more. Mm-hmm. I mean, it re- because I was like, he's human. We've all made mistakes. Here's a human who not only did something, but understands the ramifications of it and would never do it again. And I actually probably improved his compassion and, um, and probably his value system he gave to his children. So that's, that's an example. Well, he revealed more than of. just what he did. He revealed the fact that he has a conscience, which I think mm-hmm. is the most important part of that. In other words, if you've committed a criminal act, do you have a conscience? Do you feel guilty about it? Do you go, oh, yeah, I can't believe I did that. Yeah, there was a troubled time. Yeah, I understand why I did it, but I still can't believe it. If you're that kind of person, you know, as opposed to the criminal that's still committing crimes or that said did something way back when and they don't feel bad about it. So to me, it's not so much the crime itself as your attitude towards it that I think really determines who you are. Does that make sense? Well, the more trauma, the more trauma a child endures without a loving caregiver to help them through it um, Mm -hmm. or any caregiver that any, any adult that can uh, support them, see them, mirror them, help Mm -hmm. them a little bit, they're more likely to have that conscience to just move through and, um, to have that sociopathic kind of, but this, this, this man, although he had um, some, some difficulty with his childhood, he had a very loving mother. And so 
Hmm. I think that probably helped. You know, I, I did want to talk a little bit about, so the victim pathology usually comes from a background of trauma. I mean, not usually always. I mean, I don't think there's any situations where someone walking around with victim mentality where everything happens to them, they have no power over their life, they have no, um, that really weakens the soul and spirit. It really weakens the health. It leads to cancers. It's, it's something we want to get out of. And, um, and so I just like to offer a few tools. Mm-hmm. Since yeah, we're talking please. about it, you know, people might be recognizing, oh, I, I have this. I tend to blame others. I tend to always feel like bad things are happening to me. I have a lot of mm-hmm. resentment. Why me? No control of my life. And the truth is we do have control. And we draw situations to ourselves that our soul needs to learn. And we, we set up a frequency or vibration with our thoughts, um, set up a vibration that magnetizes other situations and people to us. So we know from a lot of research that um, a perpetrator can walk into a room and pick out the victim within 30 seconds by the way the body, they they say it's body language. Um, It seems like there's reason they can't figure out exactly how, and I believe it's energy frequency. So I'm a victim energy. I will draw to me a perpetrator. You have to get out of that. You have to break that frequency vibration. How do you do it? We talked about it a little while ago. You, you make sure your friends are not people who enable you. And if mm-hmm. you have good friends, you let them know you're working on this and the things they can say or do when they see you going into victim, victim state that not, don't encourage you to stay there, but encourage you to examine how you got there and uh, ways you might have been complicit, what lessons might be there, and um, how you can reframe and change your thinking to move really out of that, right? This. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just thinking is really funny to say that because I've told my friends, uh, I may have told you, I may not have, but uh, this show has the potential to reach, you know, multi millions of people because nobody does what we do. And I've told everybody, mm-hmm. I said, look, if I ever stop acting like me, you know, like the guy that's here with the, you know, with the growing show before the lucky break, I said, you need to tell me. So I've already pre-warned my friends. Yeah. This includes you too, because you know me now, uh, that if I ever cease being, you know, my humble, lovable little fuzzball self, if I start getting ego and things like that, if, if this changes me, I want to know. So it's almost like a preemptive mm-hmm. thing. Do people do that? Do you find other folks that say, look, it. here's this I is in my past. So this may happen again. Uh, if you see it, let me know. You know, me personally, this is me talking as Greg again. I mean, I can't be loud, overbearing, opinionated, um, really not aggressive physically, but certainly aggressive mentally. And just, you know, especially if you hear me debate, <laughs> you know, listen to the earlier parts of the show. Um, but, in, but, it, but that's me. And it, but if it, I like to know if that's an issue. I like to know if that, especially if someone that I want to get really close to, it's like, hey, I just want to tell you now. Uh, and like I say, I've told my friends, let me know. If I, if I see being me, <laughs> I need to know. Uh, because I know I have that tendency. I think everybody has a tendency for an ego. But, I uh, think that's lovely, Greg. You know, that's lovely that you ask your huh. friends to call you out. I, I, I think a good friend, if you know something, will call you out. That is so beautiful. Let's all ask our friends, hey, we're working on this right now. Well, they already have um, already. <laughs> A couple it's times so it's actually lovely. worked. It's a great idea. Oh, yeah, you're right. I'm going to yeah, do it today. You. Okay, go for it. I'm going to tell yeah. my friends today, I'm not allowed to be a victim. Anytime I say, because I'm going through a lot in my life right now, this has been mm-hmm. a wonderful year for me to be challenged on all the shit I talk about, all the mm-hmm. wonderful things I tell people to do, and all the ways I work you with women. You have to do it yourself. How, you got to start oh, doing it yourself. Oh, yes. Now, this year, I get to say, really, do you know, have you learned anything, Dorothy, or are you back in this you know, adolescent mindset? So. Um, I think I'll do that today. I'm, I have a few friends in mind right now that I'm going to say, hey, this is what's happening in my little mental world. So when you hear me say it, 
Call me out, right? <laughs> and your friends actually okay. want to do that. They're, they're more than happy to help. In fact, you'll probably have other friends say, yeah, well, here's what you want to watch for in me. And I think it's, it's, a, it's like, you know, I've got your back. When people say, I've got your back, well, how do you have my back? If you have my back, then you'll tell me when I turn into an egotistical jerk, you know, if that ever happens. That would have my back, you know, and I think there's a way yeah. to, uh, to help people help you. And I, I say that all the time on the show, you know, help me help you. You know, help if you share the shows, then I can help you with whatever it is. I can get you, you know, a greater audience for your particular issue. But I think it, it really works out nicely because people, your your real friends, your real friends. Not only do they love to help you, they love telling you the truth. It is really funny. A stranger will lie to you because they don't care. Well, a friend will say the truth. Have a strong personality. So some people have a very gentle personality, and they're you know sort of floaty and 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 probably very easy to be around. But mm-hmm. there are some of us that are sort of warriors a little bit. So we get, mm-hmm. you always want to defend the vulnerable and we always want to yell about when there's an injustice. And that personality is great, but it can in friendships and in relationships, you know, I think. That yeah, stop really rescuing me. I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> or, yeah. or not everything yeah. has to be, you know, a soapbox. Not everything has to be a, a battle, mm. right? So. Mm-hmm. Oh, I understand that one. Um, <laughs> yes, me too. So Greg, you're not do, on the show. I'll, I'll hear that. Did you ever hear that? Dorothy, you're not on the air right now. You're not making a presentation. It's yes, not everything has to be a big deal, Dorothy. Not everything has to be mm. fought. You know, you don't have okay. to you don't have to confront every person you see in public that does something, you know, they shouldn't. So yeah. You don't have to be um, a man of La Mancha. You don't have to be Don Quixote. You know, not not, 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 <laughs> yeah. not everybody needs saving. Not everything. Well, this is and this is fascinating actually because I grew up in a in a ultra socialist Marxist revolutionary feminist man hating household. Um, mm. And what was fascinating about that is that it was, my job was to save the world. And one of the greatest freeing revelations is when I realized I didn't have to save the world. The world was doing just fine. I could do what I wanted to do. And so many people are burdened, especially if you're in liberal leftist households. Uh, I'll be blunt about that. So all you folks who are now screaming at me, that's okay. Call the show, 215-383-3832. But if you're burdened with this, you've got to save the world. You know, we're counting on you have to do this. It changes your personality. It changes you from, from an independent person to a, a, a subservient person to what other people define as serving the world. And, and this, is, this it works this way. I got over that. It took a while when I saw people not saving the world. I said, why aren't you saving the world? We need to save the world. There's a lot of people burdened with that. And people are burdened with all kinds of things that they're, that they're sort of brought up with. Or, 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 you know, and that, I think, gets in the way of relationships, too. Because then if you have someone who's not saving the world, they're not good enough because they're not saving the world. You know, and so this whole this, and that also so political takes philosophy the emphasis does, off of our own work, right? So ah, you can, if you can deflect true. all the attention onto the outside things, you can continue mm-hmm. your own victim pathology, your own damaging yeah. behaviors that you're having in relationships. I mean, how many people who are out saving the world are having an amazing intimate sex life, moving towards pleasure, um, yep. you know, having high they're vibrations? Miserable. Because they're always, they're always you know, the unhappy. More, the more you the more you radiate joy, pleasure, and high vibrational frequency, the more others feel it and it's contagious. And the more you connect with others, and that's going to improve our whole world consciousness more than anything else. You focus mm-hmm. on the injustices and the hate and the bad things. All you're doing is creating more of that because what we focus on brings more, right? So you're going to bring more to your own, own uh, world, and you're going to bring more. You're going to actually encourage it to happen more in the world. That's the universal law of energy and attraction. We need to talk more of those. Uh, so you're that, actually that's not saving the world. You're actually doing the opposite. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's, that's kind of the conclusion I came to. Because if, if I'm not happy myself, I'm no good to anybody else. 
And so I changed all that, got rid of that. But here's what's interesting, too. Uh, I, I complain, well, I don't complain, but I, I, I characterize the, uh, like the Republicans, the, the, the pessimists out there. I said, you guys, especially on talk shows, I said, and even with my guests earlier this morning, I said, what are your solutions? And, and people are much more concerned mm-hmm. with complaining. And I call it raising complaining to an art form. They're so mm-hmm. good at it. They practice it. They've reinforced it that they can't get away from it. It's like, stop complaining and tell me what you want to do. Let's get to the solutions. Because this shows all the solutions, And people have really good know. solutions. Yeah. And, and there's, they do. there's so many good solutions out there. And if you go, it doesn't matter. I had this conversation last night with a lady I was teaching. And she was talking about how you know, she's coming to my class to uh, feel mm-hmm. better and feel better about herself and um, we, we, it was, when we left we started chatting and it was clear pretty quickly that we didn't necessarily see politically eye to eye and we both mm-hmm. agreed we didn't really care because we both agreed that most people actually have really good solutions when, they just, when we just talk to each other and we actually see eye to eye and the divisiveness is created by the media and, um, and there are so many good solution oriented people on all sides of the political party we just need to come together and talk right that's what I'm working on. It's funny you should say that, but yeah. that's exactly what I'm trying to do here. But this is, our bills are nonpartisan. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's, this, I don't write Republican or Democrat bills. I don't write bills for any party. I don't like parties. But, uh, but what I find is there's genius out there, and people underestimate themselves. So then the question becomes, let's bring it back to our main topic here. So intimacy and relationships. You know, if you're burdened with saving the world or if you're burdened with, you know, you have to take care of your family or you're burdened with, you know, some horrible thing that happened way back when, these burdens, you've got to get rid of the burdens. Um, you know, and then I guess that all ties into the victim yeah, mentality. Yeah, how can you use your burden as a joy? How can you yeah. change the story so that what you have yeah. going on is a blessing and a gift? You know, mm-hmm. this, this morning gratitude practice where you wake up and you don't do anything until you can name 10 things you're grateful for and then you decide what kind of day you're going to have makes a mm-hmm. huge difference. Other solutions for victim pathology, um, not believing everything you think. So <laughs> I love this work. I think it was – I don't want to think what I think. Well, don't I think what you think. There was a very good psychologist, and I can't remember who it was, who did – it's called Doing the Work, and I bet your listeners can remember, but I'm trying to think of it. I don't think it was Brene Brown, but literally this whole process, you can find it online, of when you have a thought and a belief – how do you get from, I'm certain about this 100% to, uh-huh. huh, maybe I'm absolutely wrong. Maybe it's, maybe it's the opposite. And there's actually a process you can go through, but starting to practice the habit of questioning your own firm beliefs about, about everything, oh, right? Yeah, this whole Having, show what way that. could you be mistaken? Yes. Yeah. And don't be afraid to be wrong, folks. And don't be afraid to admit, admit a mistake, change your course, you know, take a totally different yeah. path. And, and like I say, once I got over, once I found out that the Crusaders were actually, the, uh, it's a self-imposed victimhood, but it's really manipulation. Because mm-hmm. then you start, you know, back to saving the world, you know, and it's like, you know, there's, there's the good people who are saving the world and the bad people who aren't. You know, corporations bad, you know, nonprofits good. You know, uh, independent people, dad, you know, yeah, it's a very strange thing. So once I freed myself of that, and this is years ago, we're talking maybe 20, 30 years ago, um, this whole new world opens up. So there's a world beyond the victim. A possibility and curiosity. Oh, unbelievable. You look at everybody on the show. How can we be curious, more curious about things versus those set in our beliefs, right? Well, look at education. Mm -hmm. The whole education system takes away possibilities. Think what we tell you to think. And yeah, now that's you right. Come the information. Please don't ask any yeah. questions. Yep. And it, even if we change the information every three years, don't ask any questions. Just regurgitate. Yeah, I agree with you. Well, that's one reason we homeschool. So don't believe everything you think. Uh, questioning yourself when you have a belief that seems to generate a negative energy, a negative feeling. Questioning uh-huh. it. And how could I? Be, how could this be wrong? How could I? 
how could I tell the story differently where it's a different thing entirely? That man cut me off in traffic. My first instinct is to get mad, Greg. I'm going to be honest. I get mad, and I got this whole Tesla, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to speed up and get I'll show him. And then I say, wait a minute. You know, I'm running on time. Who knows what this dude has going on in his life right now? You know, he's late for this. He's late for that. He's really just having a hard time. You know, so change it to compassion and um, let it go. What a great let it go. Skill, I was just thinking, right? let it go. Yeah, the, the, <laughs> once you start letting things go, well, the world becomes a really nice place. I try to think of the last time I did something really stupid when I was driving. You know, that person that you call an idiot, that person you think is a total jerk, did they do something purposely? I mean, did they cut you off intentionally after, uh, you know, waving by you? Or did they, they make a lane change and they might, you might have been their blind spot? So it, it's all the interpretation of the events. You know, and it's, it's so fear. I think, People have fear, so, and then they get yeah. angry. So if you scare somebody, yeah. if, if, you know, we, we get angry usually because somebody scares us a little bit when, when we're driving and then it turns into anger. That's true. That happens, right? Speaking of scared, <laughs> we used to joke about this in the early COVID days that uh, wouldn't it be stupid if people actually wore a mask with their windows up? <laughs> and then people start doing well, it. We've seen like, people. Oh yeah, God, I saw someone yesterday. So fear. Actually, yesterday at the grocery uh-huh. store, and we're so far past it, but that's applied psychology. That's um, all they hmm. did is use applied psychology, and they've, they've done research on this since the 40s. And it's just show, they've done it in little ways with lots of populations. This time they did it globally, and there's the result right there. Somebody who will never, ever uh, believe a different story once it was pounded in the head using fear for at least two months. So they, they say 80% of the population will, will continue to hold some sort of fear belief about the topic. That yeah. is absolutely fascinating. Let me get the formula again. So two months. 80% of the population. Two months counting a, fear, a fear-based message in over and over. For, it takes about two months to get the majority of the population to hold, hold the belief system, even if all evidence is to the contrary afterwards, even if the bodies that gave the fear message completely change it to a 180, um, there's a large percentage of the population that will continue to believe it no matter what forever on some level. Mm-hmm. So we're seeing that. That's what the mask in the car is, right? I think, unless it's a message of virtue signaling, which is a different thing. But, but it's fascinating point, because if you're in a car by so yourself, many, you your, your yeah. brain to do a lot of other things to virtue signal now. So I think it's probably <laughs> right. Yeah. But but the psychology is the interesting part because you know you've got the mass psycho- the mass formation psychosis I think it's called, mm-hmm. um, and you've got that which is still operating. Well, it's interesting to say two months because you look at most elections they crank up about two months ahead of time. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to drive somebody that. crazy, if, if you're if you're a gaslighter, you know, and you really mm-hmm. want to destroy a relationship with another person because you're just that evil, um, you, it, it really doesn't take that long, does it, for to condition somebody if they're isolated to you? Isn't that interesting? Mm-hmm. Well, let's not. Let's just be kind to each other. Oh no, but what <laughs> but I'm, saying, right. I'm not saying this, right. I'm not and trying to encourage the perpetrators. And, I'm not trying yeah. to encourage the perpetrators. I'm trying to empower the victims. And business. Yeah. 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 And be aware that, 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 yeah, the business people know all these tools now. And so that's even to throw your TV out the window. Right? Well, they've employed marketers and, who are really psychologists, and it's, it's, uh, it is a fascinating thing. Well, sex is probably the most marketed thing out there. It's, um, mm-hmm. it it's really pretty is. wild. They're trying, to, yeah. they're trying to over-sexualize. There's, there's definitely a push to over-sexualize, too much emphasis on sex. Um, mm-hmm. And you don't have to be obsessed with sex. If you're having a great relationship with someone you communicate well with, um, you don't have to think about sex all day and make everything sexual. You can literally live your life and have fun and do service to others and have your career without having everything be super sexy. But they're making it so kids are like kind of living their days 
thinking how to be, especially girls, how to be attractive and sexy. Like that's like the focus of their day to day all day. Right. <laughs> that's crazy. How young does that start? That you young. I mean, I think it depends on what the environment your kid's in, but in the homeschooling okay. community, it's a little later to be honest. But yeah. um, I think in some of the public schools, more Metro, it starts early middle school, at least probably fifth grade, even they had this, that movie cuties with the twerking girls that were like 11. Oh, that's sad. Yeah, I just yeah, you but know, a lot of people had no problem cringe. with that. Mm, well, that's a lot of people had no problem with that. It's already part of our culture. Yeah, I have a problem that they don't have a problem. Yeah, but that's media and marketing, right? By that, by the time that movie came out, that was already acceptable as an idea of not really that abnormal, right? Okay, well, so I want the yeah. next tip on how to not be a victim, how to Good. get out yeah. of a victim pathology. I want to cover mm-hmm. these to make sure we. I how many we got just so I, we can time <laughs> this properly? I didn't know how many just points. Just a couple you more. Had, so, Okay, oh, my God, there's right. so many, but let, I'm just going to keep it to three more. So um, strengthening your personal qualities that are anti-victimhood. We touched on this a little bit. So courage, practicing vulnerability. It's so scary, but it's practicing it with safe friends, you know, admitting mm-hmm. things about yourself and claiming responsibility for them, um, practicing compassion to others. The more you focus on compassion towards others, the less you're focused on yourself, Right. And mm-hmm. um, that begins to heal. That begins to change your neural connections, you know, your change your brain habits, your thinking habits. And eventually over time, if you're focused on others more, your, your whole brain patterns are going to change. and You're going to stop. This victim pathology is going to be greatly reduced. Um, practicing intentionality. So before I act, I breathe and I'm intentional about it. I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm about to say. And I intend to do it versus just being um, trauma response you know, gut reactions based on emotion, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, lastly, well, one of lastly, trying to find opportunities to develop those qualities. So intentionally volunteer work in a vulnerable community, in a minority community, so that you can have your focus outside yourself. So choosing a life that takes you out of your victim pathology and more into how you can be empowered, how can you help others based on your life experiences. Um, And the last one that I like to focus on is moving towards pleasure in the day-to-day. So if you're in a life where you feel like everything is unpleasant, everything is bad, everyone you are around is bad, now you're intentionally finding pleasure in every moment, which is a practice and a habit that will also change your brain and raise your vibration and you will begin to magnetize like-minded people towards you We've talked about it before in your show. Oh, like, Look at my show. Yeah. I know it works. Look at the people who've come to, uh, I mean, nobody's forced. Everybody's a volunteer. You know, that will change one day. But uh, for right now, the people who come here want to be here. There's no, uh, there's nothing that, uh, yeah. And because we are like-minded, because we are, you know, everybody has a different point of view. And, and me purposely, I do not restrict people in what they talk about. You know, you go to any other radio show, any other station, well, here's your topic and this is what you're going to talk about. you got five minutes, you know, and that's it. And like, that's stupid. How do you develop a theme? How do you develop anything? And so the, the freedom of, of this show in particular, you know, this is the way I structure it. I mean, I structure the show to, to be the place that I would want to work in if I weren't, the, you know, the boss. <laughs> and even yeah. though I'm the boss, yeah. I'm not really the boss. You know, but this is, and this is what I've structured. This is a world unto itself. This is a unique place where people can talk about, you know, where we can go from, from uh, uh, controversial stuff in the first hour, legal stuff in the second hour, sex in the third hour. I mean, this is a fascinating place to be, I think. Mm-hmm. Yes, right. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah, so we're, we're, we're hearing personal. other people. You're focusing yeah. on 
world problems and how to solve them and many different viewpoints and yeah. many different it's areas. It's all on the personal level. It's all done at the personal level, too. That's interesting. Yeah. Huh. So moving towards pleasure is my biggest. And when women especially, and again, I work with women, men can do what they want. I think they should move towards pleasure also. But we do. Um, I have so me. many women that have had trauma that <laughs> but it's um, different. pleasure on, in the moment to moment in the day-to-day is very important. Even if you just decide that when you're stepping off, off your bed onto the carpet, you notice how soft it is under your feet. When you get in the warm shower, you notice that it feels good on your skin. And when you notice every pleasurable thing, you look out the window, you don't see the garbage the street, you look up and you see the sun reflecting to the trees. When you begin to take your focus onto pleasure and beautiful things versus you will change your brain until the point where you don't even see the negative anymore. That's a huge transformation. It can happen in a relatively short period of time, but it requires consciously indulging your body, indulging your, your senses in, um, in the beauties and the pleasures this world has to offer, which are everywhere, Right. Oh, every day is a miracle. You know, it, and it's funny you should say that because I think I actually do that. Uh, and, and people say, well, you're such a big kid. I said, yeah, well, I was happy as a kid. You know, I had a crazy childhood. Yeah. But me on my own, you know, it, when birds flew by, I got excited. When I could see shapes in the clouds, I got excited. You know, when it was a warm day or a cold day or, or there was, you know, whatever happened. If I see a beautiful butterfly, it's like, I still do that, too. To this day, I'm still that kid. I do, too. So I, isn't it great? I think, I think that we I lose do that our also. kid. I do Miracles. I think it was Einstein that said there's two types of people, those that see miracles everywhere and those that don't. I think I'm probably misquoting, but it's something to that effect. Well, it sounds like Einstein. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, let's, I mean, let's see the first kind, yeah. That's so important. You know, and, and here's what's, here, once you start doing it, here's the real effect. Of this. I, I, I go bike riding a lot. And when I go bike riding, invariably, a dragonfly will fly beside me or a rabbit will run with me. It's only when I'm by myself yes. or, or critters yes. just kind of, they just kind of show up, right? And this armadillo was out there digging up ground. I stopped and I kind of watched him. I sort of, we're sort of having this armadillo human kind of, you know, interaction. And he was doing his thing and I'm just watching this. So this is what a fascinating critter. Um, but this, uh, once you're in touch with the natural I don't think world, I've ever is, seen an armadillo. <laughs> oh, no, except on the roadside. You know, Where in, is this armadillo? Uh, you know, in Florida? It's in Florida. Yeah, yeah. I'm here in Milton. Okay. We have, a, we have a Blackwater bike trail, which is absolutely beautiful. I shouldn't say that. Everybody will take it. But uh, it's, it's underused. It's, it's, yeah, space. it's an old railroad <laughs> track. They, they paved over a railroad track. And it's gorgeous. My big fear is that this place is so unrestricted in their growth, they're going to build housing developments all over it. And we're going to lose it someday. Uh, that's going to be a problem. You know? But uh, for now, for now, it's absolutely beautiful. And there are critters. In fact, one day I was uh, riding uh, on, on a Saturday. And it was really early. And uh, there was a big, you know, blob of bear poop, and it was fresh. And it was like, oh, my God, some bear left that you know, within half an hour. <laughs> you know, so I'm thinking, this is it. And by myself, right, this is, this is really kind of cool. You know, and sometimes That's it's foggy and it's misty. It was. And sometimes it's foggy and misty. Oh, there's a, I'll tell you about the, the cottonmouth. There was a water moccasin on the trail one day. And uh, this was about, I don't know, 5, 6 o'clock in the evening. And so I'm riding along. I'm seeing this big snake. I'm going, oh. What do I do? There's really no place to go either side because it was kind of, you know, very, very uh, uh, thick uh, vegetation and kind of swampy. And I'm thinking, okay, I better ride this, buy this thing as fast as possible. And so I get level with it, and all of a sudden it wakes up, opens the didn't really lunge at me, but it's sort of like a warning, like, what are you doing bugging me, you know, kind of thing. That's, that's, the, that's the vibe I felt as I rode away very quickly. Then I came back, took a picture of it, so I've, I've still got that. But, uh, yeah, so snakes are there too. But the point of all this is that you have spirit animals. 
And so you can look at nature and go, oh, that's nice. Okay, good. But, 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 but find the animals that are gravitating towards you. A friend of mine um, was bike riding and, and saw a bluebird. And not only saw a bluebird, that bluebird appeared at the same place on the way back in the trail, came back to that place. And I thought, that's your animal. You got to look up bluebirds. So we looked up bluebirds, and it was that person. It was fasc- fascinating. So it's all you... real, but you won't, people don't see it unless they're at a certain, I believe this, you have to be mm-hmm. in a certain vibrational frequency. And then okay. um, that, which, that which is supporting you, that which is your guide, that which is, you begin to notice it. If your eyes are closed to beauty or spiritual signs, you're not going to see them. But when you're open to them, you know, then, then they begin to reveal themselves, right? And mm-hmm. the, more you, the more you notice them and appreciate them and notice and see them, the more they come. I believe this. Yeah. And, yeah, I want to um, talk about the actual physical know, attraction, the magnetism, the actual electro- electromagnetic attraction that is what you're saying that people have. I want to talk about that sometime. I believe um, this completely, that, that, that we put out a okay. frequency, and, and you can practice it. You can intentionally practice this, um, thinking angry thoughts, thinking sad thoughts, thinking victim thoughts, and mm-hmm. go out into your day with that sort of mindset and see how your day goes. And then see who, who talks to you and how they talk to you and mm-hmm. who's attracted to you, who's interacting with you, who comes towards you. And then spend a day and do the opposite. Wake up and do your gratitude practice, do your yoga stretches, um, connect with your spiritual source, your divine creator or God, and, um, and make everything um, up moving towards pleasure, celebrating life like we talked about. And then go mm-hmm. out into your world and see who talks to you and how they talk to you. And you literally will magnetize wonderful experiences and it's mm-hmm. very real. And so I want to address if listeners are having, there are people who have very hard lives. Yes. Right. So let's talk about single income, maybe family, maybe sickness in the family. I mean, multiple burdens right now. And they might say to themselves, that's easy for her to say. Very yeah, privileged. Parents to you take know. care of, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. And I'm not yeah. going to talk about my personal situation, but I'm not in a privileged really life right now. I mean, mm-hmm. compared to some perhaps, but not, not really. And it is a choice. Everybody can do these practices where they move towards um, noticing beautiful things, noticing miracles, having gratitude, moving towards pleasure, finding pleasure in everything and transforming. Mm-hmm. And, and as you do that, more and more abundance and more and more blessings come into your life, more and more miracles where people say, hey, you know, I thought about you today. There's this new opportunity. And I don't know why you just popped into my head. Would you be interested? This is real. It happens. You know it. I yep. know it. And um, so it is intentional. It's the opposite of victim mentality and victim pathology. And anybody can do it in any situation that they are in in life. I agree. Mm-hmm. I agree completely. I think rediscover your kid. You know, don't uh, whatever changed you to be an adult and be responsible. And I mean, I don't say don't be responsible, but, but the point is that whatever conditioned you, you know, you go back to being a kid and then retrace your Play. life uh, as, if, uh, as if you're always that kid. And keep that kid with you. And then it's almost yeah. like permission to, to smell the flowers and permission to listen to the birds and, uh, you know, permission yeah. to do all these things. And, and I, I talk to the animals. I, mean, I literally talk to them as I'm bike riding. Uh, but That's what we're by, here for, Greg. We're here to enjoy the earth. Fascinating. This earth yeah. is oh, given yeah. to us as, as a beautiful thing. We're supposed to be playful and enjoying it. There's work mm-hmm. to be done. We're all here doing yeah. work. But the work should be enjoyable, connect us with others. And throughout mm-hmm. the work is play. Life is play. It's pleasure. Yeah, it's supposed okay. to be fun, folks. <laughs> but here's the thing, yeah. too, though. You, you almost join a new community. It's like, it's like you expand. You, you can live in the community of people and, uh, you know, commutes and buses and office buildings and elevators. Or you can live in the world of the world, the spiritual world, the physical world. 
you know, the world of God, the world of, uh, of critters of, you know, butterflies landing on your nose, you know, and it's just, and it's such a different place. But once you're in that community, once you've uh, sort of gone beyond the elevators, commuters, buses, you know, office buildings, cubicles, things like that, and you get back to the natural world and the spiritual world and the physical world and see how they all connect, those same people that are doing that will come to you. They will show up in your life. They are in the cafe line. They will be behind you. You'll start a conversation, and that's when you find better. That's what I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Hmm. Yep, then you start to find your tribe, and then everyone's doing it together, and then you're encouraging them. They're encouraging you. You're making things happen, and you, now all of a sudden your group, of, your group of people has changed. And those that aren't doing that fall away. They no longer mm-hmm. recognize you. They're no longer getting their needs met by your victim pathology, and they'll fall away and out of your life. Or they'll step up and come with you on the on the ride, right? Yeah, that's a that's a whole other topic too. The threat of you changing to your friends because they want you to be as you were, especially if they're that way. So victim, so it's like a group victim pathology. Can you talk about that for a minute? Yeah. So right. So you, there's a framework we have in our group, and you fit this role, and I fit okay. this role, and I fit this role. And as long as huh. you're a victim, I can be the know-it-all. I can be the leader. I can be the one that gets the attention. I mean. If you're in your role, I get to be in my role. But if you shift out of your role, maybe it's taking away now from me and whatever needs I was getting met by you being a victim, right? Because who's going to hang out? Let's be honest. Who's going to hang out with a chronic victim besides someone whose needs you're getting met by being with a victim, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. You're gonna, yeah, unless that's somebody you loved and they became a victim because of some things that happened. They came, they came in this victim pathology and you're waiting for them to come out of it. You're trying, you know, you know, but, if, but if you're entering a relationship with someone who's in a victim pathology, then you're getting your needs met. So, of course, you don't want them to change unless, you know, you're changing too. So, yeah, people try yeah, to keep you, you there. Meet that's who for you, sure. you really meet who you are. You know, if you're a victim, you're going to meet other victims. You know, Uh, I I described it early, you know, different parts of my life. You know, when I was a needy person, I met needy people. And and that doesn't work, by the way, just to let you all know. Um, Oh, my God. You are, you know, you meet who you are. And if you are that person that, uh, you know, wants a dragonfly to land in your hand, you know, as opposed to the person that says, you know, uh, it's all profits and losses on an actuarial tables. I mean, it's two completely different ways to go through life. I'm, a, I'm the person that wants a dragonfly in my hand. That's actually happened, by the way. Yeah, me too. Um, me too. And I was married special. to the actuary tables, and, and oh I think God. that was a real, real hard situation. Yep. Real class. Well, especially when yeah. you join the spiritual, physical, natural world, you put all three together, and everybody else is just in the physical you know, um, and it's a, well, that's, that goes to back our original concept. Here's full circle. You know, if you're only in the physical world, then sex is the only thing in your relationship. Yeah. Kind of right. If, but if you're in the natural and yeah. the spiritual world, then it's, it's more encompassing. That's only part of your relationship. Well, the interesting Ooh. thing is those people, and we can say 3D physical world, I'm going to use this interchangeable, but people who are deeply embedded in the 3D physical world actually can transcend sometimes only during sex. Like that is literally their gateway to spirituality in 5d that's very interesting and uh-huh. if you have a partner like that and you feel like they have potential you can actually through sexuality bring them into a more spiritual level and that's kind of a cool phenomenon that's oh, kind I of where cancer comes in yeah consecrating the act <laughs> put, mm-hmm. yeah put that under future topics uh, as well as okay actual yeah. physical it's, magnetism. A, it's a big one yeah. Oh, yeah. No, this is we have a lot to cover. We have we have years worth of material. And as we both grow uh, and the show grows, um, the, the, who knows? We, we, you know, you and I should like replay a show from, you know, hopefully you can stick around for years and years and then just replay oh, something from our yeah. first show. <laughs> Wouldn't that be fun? So, hey, here's where we were. That here's would be we wonderful. Now. 
Nicole. Yeah, I yeah. have to sign Let's... off at 11 because I've got the kiddos and I'm going to do okay. a literary Well, that's assignment. now. I haven't. Yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I have to change gears big time. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, you know, let's do it next week, and uh, we'll just keep doing what we do. And, and if anybody has suggestions for you, you know, get them to Dorothy. Uh, if you see her in the line in, in the cafe or just, uh, you know, uh, well, how do people reach you? And they know how to reach me. Anybody can email me. I have an email that anybody can use, and um, okay. I also have a Facebook page. Um, my website's up and down and up and down. You know, I need a website angel. To come, this is not my forte, so I'm, I'm praying for mm-hmm. a website angel to come help me. But um, So my email is Dorothy at Yoni one word, Y-O-N-I-Y-U-N dot com. And I work with private clients and I do group classes and it's so much fun. I have a variety of, of classes I offer mostly geared towards getting women back in touch with their bodies, reigniting the divine feminine, being super uplifted and joyful, feeling super sexy and wonderful in your body. Um, and I do a lot of trauma informed work, but it's very fun. And then um, my Facebook is Dorothy Diana. I try to keep it uh, on point with helpful posts and um, uplifting every now and then. I get personal, and, and you guys can call me out if I'm wallowing. Uh, get me back out of there. There you but, go. Call your my friends. Face. It works. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I try to stay mostly uplifting and helpful and, and talk about topics that, that raise our consciousness together. Uh, Dorothy Diana on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Sounds good. Wow. Love having you on the show. Let's do it next week. Thank you, Dorothy. <laughs> Let's do it. All right. Thank you, Greg. Okay. Bye-bye. Right now, oh, I love Mondays. <laughs> I just love Mondays. <laughs> we had such a great time with all uh, all the people on the show. Play a couple things. Uh, we're back tomorrow at 7 a.m. Central Time. Uh, Brianna Cannon starts it off with the government inquiry, uh, and in the second hour we have uh, Josie Cassie with the Latino Report. Third hour, I haven't a clue. I'll figure it out sometime. Uh, that's that's what happens. You know, as soon as one show ends, the next show really begins, and then we get to broadcast it the next day. A couple things to play, and then I will see you all tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. Central Time. So that would be 8 Eastern, 7, 6 Mountain, 5 Pacific, until we turn our clocks forward again, hopefully soon, uh, in, uh, I guess, like March or something like that. Right. Here we go. This is Greg Penglis for Strike Force, your source for pure energy. Strike Force is a concentrated energy drink that turns a half liter of your favorite beverage into an energy drink. You make your energy drink yourself. Action Radio is an affiliate of Strike Force, so our listeners get a 20% discount. All you do is add our code WYL to the discount code window at checkout. WYL comes from our website, Write Your Laws. So, You can get your energy drink, a 20% discount, and help Action Radio change the relationship of we the people to our government. Not bad. Strikeforce is at StrikeforceEnergy.com. That's StrikeforceEnergy.com. Start your engines. Greg Penglis here for my book, The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction. Everyone at some point in their life wants to learn how to fly. Few try. Even fewer go on to get a license. I believe a major reason for that is how we teach people how to fly. My book is designed to help you navigate the flight training system, but it's so much more than that. It really describes an entirely new way to teach flying. So if you've never tried a lesson or got discouraged in your training and quit for any reason, this book can help you. Don't be a rope pilot who just follows procedures. Be a thinking pilot who makes great decisions, who understands all the reasons why we do what we do. 
You can incorporate these principles into your own flight training at any time. The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction is featured on the Action Radio with Greg Pankless Facebook page and is available from Amazon.com. This is Greg Penglis. So what is Action Radio? It is a radio show with its own citizen legislature. That's you, the listener. It is a fully interactive system of listeners, expert guests, social media, writing bills, legislator input, bill submission, lobbying, and citizen action. Action Radio is the future of talk radio using all the available technology in one completely integrated new system. You are listening to Action Radio Online with Greg Penglis. The webpage for all Action Radio shows and podcasts is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Please share our show with all your friends and family, both nationally and internationally. The guiding principle of Action Radio is this. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed. <laughs> 